Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Family Feud. I am your host, Richard Dawson. Oh, wait, wrong show. Wrong show. This is Tales with TR. And I am your host, Terry Ryan. Good guest today. We got Shane Corson, otherwise known as Course. Uh, great guy. I got a couple of chapters in my new book that allude to our time together. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know. I got a lot of Leaps and Habs fans that listen to this show, and especially Canada Cup fans, Olympic fans, whatever. I'm guessing, of all the guests I've had, um, people will identify, well, with Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson, having played on the Leafs and the Habs, these guys who are brothers-in-law and my great friends, um, I'm sure spark a lot of interest. And Tucks, um, we already had on and uh, w- was a great guest. Course is going to add, so Course a little bit older. Tucks and I came through together. Um, Course looks probably younger than both of us, if you can fucking believe it. But he just came through a little bit earlier in the mid to late 80s and uh, ended up playing Canada Cup 91. People forget that, man. He played on the Canada Cup team played with Gretzky. I'd forgotten that myself. I knew he played on the team and, you know, had some just great battles, great stories. Um, played in 97 90, or 98. Was it Nagano? Right. We'll get to hear that story. Played with Wayne Gretzky more than once, but in some tight situations, I know he was on the team when Gretzky famously didn't get asked to shoot and Canada lost the Olympics in a shootout. Czech ended up winning it. Um, but yeah, uh, I believe, and, um, no, I'm right. Um, but course was on that team. So, you know, he's probably on the bench when, when Gretzky got news that he wasn't shooting. So 
that in itself is a crazy experience to play on the Habs and the Leafs for so long and, of course, led the World Juniors in scoring one year. Um, you know, there, uh, most of this stuff I knew because we've been friends a long time, well, since 96, I guess. And Course never really popped out of my life. Him and Tux, you know, it's, it's a small hockey world, but whether it was an alumni event, the boys are just good guys too. You know, I get the odd text, um, Instagram note. You know, the boys didn't ever get too big for their britches. I met Course when, 96, 97, I'm just coming in. Um, but, you know, we both went first round, eighth overall. Uh, we both shoot left. We both mix it up a little bit. Um, there's a lot that I have in common with course and I'm not, you know, whatever I did, but that happened with my career after 2001 or 2002, whenever it was, you know, that's my own fault. A lot of it's circumstantial. I'm, I'm certainly not saying I'm as good of a hockey player as Shane Corson who's a legend and, and Darcy Tucker e either. Um, but we do have a lot in common from the way we approach the game, the way we have beers off the ice, the way we fight, uh, our passion for the game, our fathers, you know, we're big parts. I shouldn't just say that because our moms are too, but it, of course his father passed away in the mid nineties and had a big effect on him. It certainly would have at the time for me too. My dad's always been a big part of my life, especially if I was like, if he passed away during my career, because he was the number one guy that I'd lean on. And uh, that happened of course, and a whole lot more, but and he had some wild stories off the ice like wild ones and, you know, being coached by Pat Burns, who has a reputation as being a tough guy. I mean, and, and, and more, but I know that course has some good ones with Pat, but you know, Pat has a reputation of being a tough guy. And, and, and he was, he was a real stern coach and everything, but I believe, you know, he, he listened to the players, you know, he, he, he convinced me and here you are in front of me, hung over and tell me why that kind of thing. I think Pat Burns was stern, but understanding, but we'll find out. I'm just going on, you know, the odd story that Course has told me over the years. Um, yeah, um, Darcy, I was there when Darcy met Shannon, his sister, and uh, married her just a few, short, I, I don't know when exactly they got married, but they stayed an item. Like, I was there when Tux was going out with, with Shannon for the, for the very beginning of that relationship. And uh, Tux and Course became like brothers. And, you know, they are brothers, I guess. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They were two good guys that I identify with. And, you know, yeah. Um, I still keep in touch with. Like I said, hockey is the, the, the vehicle, right? It's the vehicle that takes you on that journey of life. You're, you're, the thing about pro hockey, you're, you're going to meet a lot of people. Some hangers on. Some people that are in for themselves. A lot of people that are fans and just really excited to meet you. And then a lot of people that are going to identify with you and, and carry you along that journey and always be there. Well, Course is definitely one of those people for me. Um, I still see him at the NHL alumni events. That's, you know, these years later, that's what hits home to me. Guys like Tux and, and Ally of Brady and Course, they do a lot of charitable stuff. Yes, you get paid a little bit for these things. Not close to what you're used to when you're up in the show. And I'm sure that a lot of the time they can make decisions and make just as much money or more doing something else, but they answer the bell. And, um, you know, so the boys, these NHL alumni events, what was the last one we did a year, together a year ago, Heart and Stroke Foundation, that was great uh, here in Newfoundland. And in Toronto, there's for an ex-leaf, it's never ending. It's never ending um, for good reason. Um, 
and Course and I are actually, and Aaron Asham, there, there's another guy. Ashes. Cut from that exact cloth, right? Cut from that cloth. No wonder Ashes is probably my best friend in hockey. Uh, we're just really younger versions, of course, and, and by extension, Tux. Um, but, uh, yeah, we used to really fuck have a good time in Montreal. Course was always about, you know, going out for a nice meal. Um, and even though we had a restaurant, we didn't always eat there. We ate at Bonanote Club, or no, Club Med. One place we went to, Da Vinci. We loved Da Vinci. Da Vinci was like, how can I explain it? You know, a lot of people in Montreal are like French, Italian, and you get that friendly vibe. Like in Italy, I don't know if, well, some of you have been there. I'm going to say, I don't know if you've been there, but there's thousands of people listening. Um, but a meal is like an event. Like you, often you go for like dinner, supper, say five or six o'clock, and it doesn't end like at one o'clock in the morning, you're still there. That, that's your night, right? Um, well, we treated it like in Montreal, there were so many options. I don't know. You could go to any strip club and probably you know, just have a great time there. And <clears throat> you go to any strip club, you go to any, any club, any bar, whatever. But our, our vibe was go out after the game, or even if it was an off night, go to an early dinner. Yeah. Have drinks, have a beer, have some wine, order some wine, um, and, and then some appies, and maybe share a meal or two. You know, there, it, it was an event. And I love that. And in Newfoundland, Newfoundlanders, what I, you know, we're, we're often very loud, if you haven't uh, noticed that about me yet. <laughs> but we're passionate. We're family-oriented. That's what I find Newfoundlanders and Italians. They laugh at me often when I said we have a lot in common. But we do. We eat a lot of food off the water, right? It's surrounded by water, the ocean. I just find there's a lot. We're preparing um, maybe slight different foods, given our culture and everything, but, you know, going to Da Vinci reminded me of going to, to for a bite in Newfoundland or going for a bite in Italy. And not only that, a lot of the Habs and a lot of hockey players and fans would go there, and we'd often shut the place down. So that was the kind of thing in Montreal. Of course, came up to me, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but, you know, one of the first meals we had in Montreal. He just got traded to our team. I was nervous. I was a young guy. You know, guys were nice to me now. Recky in, in particular. Um, Mike Keane before he got traded there. Lilo Lime before he got traded. You know, Pierre Turgeon, uh, Vincent Tamfus, um, Patrice Breezebar. The boys were nice to me. I, I'm just saying, Course was like a brother right off the bat. Like he came right over to the table and he said, you know, you went first round eighth overall, so did I. He said, you know, I, I like to to, to fight and throw punches and it seems like you do too you know you get the same style we grew up close to our family like to have a few beers we had a lot in common i don't remember what he said to darcy because darcy was sitting with me but that would have been the first time they met and he pretty much you know said the same sort of thing to darcy and in other words i identify with you you seem like a good guy and you know they immediately became friends and uh, you know a few months after that shane was uh, or Shannon, Shane's sister, was uh, dating Darcy, like I said. And there, there was nothing weird about that. You know, maybe at the very, 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 very start, but um, they just, you know, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, their uh, 
They're buddies, they're brothers. And uh, I felt, always felt part of that. And my buddy, Jeremy Charles, who you know is the world-renowned chef, but that's where he got his start at Shane's Restaurant. Jeremy was working at the time at, uh, before Shane's, at Le Chateau on St. Catherine. I remember going in there. Jeremy set me up with some clothes way before I was stylish. Jeremy's always had great style. Even I was playing on the Habs and Jeremy still had better style than me. He was helping me in Montreal um, morph into a professional. But anyway, Jeremy got a job shortly. I mean, he was going to culinary school too, right? In, in, at Concordia, I think. I think. No, maybe it wasn't. It was somewhere else. But in any case, course found that out, gave Jeremy a job in the kitchen, and boom. Um, Jeremy now is a world-renowned chef. There's a whole lot of blanks to fill in, and we'll probably get into that. Sam Roberts was the bartender there, rock star. Uh, and oddly enough, my two free tickets to every game, most games, went to Sam Roberts and Jeremy Charles. And uh, three years later, four years later, I'm playing senior hockey in fucking Newfoundland. And Sam is opening up for the um, Rolling Stones. And Jeremy's a world-renowned chef. I always found that fucking wild. Uh, not because of my lack of success and their success, just like two people that just happened to work at Shane's, you know? Jeremy grew up, up up the road from me and Mount Pearl and we were best buddies and and you said what would happen when we were 12 even. I, I just would never have believed it. And not only did we end up, you know, reaching the, the, the top of our, 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 our job, our, our occupations, Jesus, looking for a word. I've had a few drinks today. Earlier, I did that shot challenge for Al, Al uh, Iafredi and company, and I still been nipping away all day. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, Jeremy Charles. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so I find it funny how the boys would be. I'm giving them tickets just a few years later. Or I gave them tickets and just a few years later, sorry, holy fuck, get the marbles out of your mouth, T-bone. I'm playing senior and the boys are stars. But anyway, it's, it's all about the journey. We, we reached the top of our profession, Jeremy and I, and um, me, albeit for a short time, but um, NHL careers are, are short anyway. You can't be an NHL your whole life, right? But I still am involved in the game, kind of what I, is what I'm saying. You're listening to this fucking podcast. It wouldn't be there if I didn't have the experiences I did in the great game of hockey. Well, Jeremy's journey is uh, similar in the culinary worlds. Uh, but, uh, wow, we were just best buddies growing up and hoping, you know, just to have a good day tomorrow, <laughs> basically. Um, I'm sorry I haven't had an episode in a while. I had the great James Chickimentis, ball hockey player. I'll have to have him on again soon. I had him on, and we recorded two hours, man, of ups and downs and ins and outs, and we were crying. We were, I had goosebumps. We were talking about his brother, Bobby, who passed away a few years ago, another legend, ball hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, Chicky also is... Um, He's black, too, so he was going to be my token black guest. We joked about it, given this time. But uh, now, with that being said, i got lots of black friends. I just haven't had many on. Just because where I came from and the sport I played, you know, it's not even. I don't have just as many black friends as white. And I'm not going to overcompensate and have my less, next five guests be black just because. But, you know, I reached out. Tristan Manson will be on soon at some point. Roger Maxwell. Anthony Stewart. Um, and, of course, I had Chicky, and we lost the interview. It kills me. So then a couple of days later, I did another one. I said, you know, people are waiting for content. So I put out more content, just, to, you know, an hour and a half of me rambling. And sure enough, that didn't fucking work either. And I, believe, I honestly believe the problem. I've been looking. I think I have my microphone off. I, 
I really do. I'm just noticing there's an on and off. And when I turn it off, I can't. So I was gonna, when I turn it off, I can't hear. Fucking obviously. But with my other microphone, I'd turn it off and it'd say microphone off. Now you're using the computer audio. This doesn't. And I'm only guessing. I really don't know. But eight minutes into an hour and a half video with Chicky or recording, um, it quit on me. Uh, or, yeah, it quit on me. And then the next one was entirely gone. But who knows? I recorded a half hour earlier and it worked. And if this works, we're going to have Shane Corson on soon. Um, what else do I have to say before I forget? Uh, Penny Posh, Penny Posh Designs. Check it out. My ex-wife, Danielle, she has a great product. Penny Posh hoodies. Hoodies. They're awesome. Awesome. They're $129.99. Check it out. I mean it. I, I don't know how to explain it because I don't make women's clothes, but they're nice and soft and deadly and everybody loves them. They're $129.99. I'll give right now $69.99. I told Danielle and she agreed during the COVID she'll give them away for that and I'll give a signed picture of senior and a signed picture for me all for all of that all of that for $69.99 um, which again is their hoodie is $129.99 anyway and worth every penny they are deadly so anyway if you want one DM me and you'll also get a couple of pictures of senior and I signed um, what else um, well I hope everybody's doing all right with the COVID. I know I keep talking about that, but it's been a couple of weeks now. And um, I'm certainly feeling a lot better. We're starting to open up here, but uh, you know, it's, it's a negative blanket. It's, it really is. And those of you out there with anxiety and depression and those kind of things. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. I got to keep rolling. Sometimes it's a job too. That's why, uh, you know, I got friends like course and talks and uh, I can go on and on pretty much every guest I've had on here. And then some, you know, my buddies on the caps, my hockey team, my ball hockey brothers, I can reach out to people. So a lot of people go through that shit alone and there's no need for that. There's always someone either make friends if you don't have any or reach out. There's internet. There's more and more ways to get in touch with people. Uh, listen to my podcast and know that when you're listening to it, I get it. I get it. Right. Because I go through it. Um, this has knocked me on my ass too. Right. I was rolling. I was acting. I was working in the film industry. I was paying off a lot of, fucking debt that I had and I was taken off man and public speeches and all that and pretty much none of that is happening so I feel it and it causes anxiety and you know I got a daughter and you got to pay the bills and all that shit of course there are people way worse and there are people that died or had multiple people die of coronavirus and are broke and don't have a business and don't have kids and, and are alone and I get all that I get it I, I might not be able to identify fully with all of it but I know what it's like to have anxiety and fucking depression, man. I do. And the more and more I talk about it, the more and more people reach out. I think there's more people than not with it. It's not like you go around every, I don't go around every day depressed either. Right. But it comes and goes. A lot of people go, well, maybe you're bipolar. I don't think so. Maybe, but I, 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 I think I have my sanity. I get, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what that means really bipolar. I, it, I'm assuming it means go to extremes with your emotions. And, you know, I do, but I just think it's ups and downs, man, that people have and anxiety and, and, you know, there's things that lead to anxiety. And if anxiety goes unchecked, it leads to depression. I, I believe that. I, I believe there's people that get it worse than others. And I believe there's people that really, really, really need more help than me. But I'm telling you, I know what it's like. I do. I do. I, I, I know without getting specific, the lowest of the low, I get it. But uh, I think we all feel like that at some point, right? 
at some point you question life and what is it all about? And you might be depressed and, you know, what if I didn't exist or whatever? I mean, I mean I, I, again, it's crazy to talk about, but I do think that those kind of feelings creep up in everybody at some point. Maybe I'm wrong. Definitely in most people, unless you're eternally in a good fucking mood. And a lot of those people you don't really trust, you know, people that are like always smiling or like, what's that kid on um, the show 30 Rock? The blonde haired, like, secretary guy, Ken, maybe is his name. Like, people like that in real life, you're like, oh, okay. Like, you're just a little too giddy. Like, are you a clown by employment? Are you clowning right now? Because if not, this is like the 10th day I've seen you and you're bouncing off the roof. <laughs> a lot of those people are just on painkillers or some shit, right? Like, you really don't know. Look around the room and everybody got something to hide. I often said that, man. You walk in, everybody looks professional and they're on the go and you're like, man, there's, that guy's got it on the go or that girl's hot and professional and she knows exactly what's up. I just don't think, I think it's an appearance. I think like Instagram, if you're, if, if you're an alien, you were looking at Instagram, you would think that humans have the most fun. Like, wow, everybody's so cool, right? But you're only showing snippets for good reason. I'm not going to post every time I'm puking in the toilet or I'm loaded drunk and pissed off and arguing or I'm depressed to the point of, you know, having to reach out and talk to somebody. I'm not going to take a picture right away. Hey, everybody, I'm pissed off. Jeez. Um, it's just natural. But, you know, unfortunately, all these platforms, you know, kind of celebrate. Well, they celebrate whatever you put on there, but people are going to tend to put positive stuff. So I just think it's, it's outbalanced. It's nice and it's great to look at. And it certainly Instagram helps people a lot. And, um, because it spreads a good vibe for the most part, for the most part. I'm just saying there's more to it. I know that you know that we all know that it's just cutting to the shit, right? Cause fucking Joe blow is going to see you at fucking fucking the bigs or whatever restaurant you go to. And he's going to have his beer and he's going to comment and he's going to seem holier than now. Right. But, Joe Blow goes home in the same fucking problem. He's probably got a problem with his missus or he's probably got Joe Blow probably has a blow problem or, a, a, you know, a, a lack of self-confidence and tries to overcompensate. Whatever it is, man, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and list off every mental health problem that there possibly could be, but I'm just fucking saying, man, I get a lot of these messages and more than I ever thought I would. And, um, it's normal to feel like that. Shane Corson uh, has bravely come out and, uh, you know, he's part of that fight too, man. He's very honest and open about his mental health issues. And, um, you know, which I believe were anxiety for the most part. I talked to Corson over the years. and Fuck, I talked to him about it too, man. Anxiety. You talk anxiety, good or bad, start with going eighth overall for the Montreal Canadiens. Walk off the plane. <laughs> okay. And start seeing. Like, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> so you got to have someone to bounce ideas off to. Or... No, I'm not saying it's all bad either. I fucking loved it. I'm just saying there are times, right, that you're like, am I good enough? Or, you know, what do I, am I going to get interviewed? Do they want to talk to me? You know, I'm, I'm just a, a lowly, unfrozen caveman lawyer. Sorry, live reference. I'm just a lowly fourth liner you know or rookie or whatever it might be 
but the public sees every Montreal Canadian and every NHLer as unbelievably alpha male and, you know, suave. And of course, they can't have any problem. It's the fucking same. And sometimes it's worse because you got more money and that sounds good on the surface, but that only takes care of a few material problems. It doesn't. And the frustrating thing is that it doesn't take care of all the other problems and you want it to. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and act like it was all not a good time, but I'm just saying that there's no different. Whatever you're going through at work, exact same shit that an NHLer could go through. Divorce rate is similar. Um, probably even more as a hockey player, you get money early on and you, some people are, including women are out to grab part of that money. Um, not all. I'm just saying that it happens. You're, you're vulnerable at an early age. Not always a woman. It could be a businessman that, uh, ropes into a deal. Talk to Brian Burrard. Listen to my episode there. I think it was our first or second episode. Uh, you know, Burrard talks about that. I'm just saying that everybody has fucking trouble. So don't think you're alone. That's it. Um, if, if listening to the podcast helps you, then you'll like this episode because this dude, although I only got him for a half hour, so I'm not going to fucking sit there talking about mental health anxiety for a half hour. I love you guys, but he's got some unbelievable stories and I want to talk about that. Of course I will. Ask him about his battle with colitis and anxiety and, um, and his battles on the ice with fucking some great fucking battles, man. My favorite was uh, Leafs. Andrew Michael Burke on Instagram uh, gave me this idea the other day because he said, you know, usually I'm like, if any fans want have any questions, but I have enough for course anyway, but some people still pipe in. They're like, oh, ask him what his favorite power play is. No, I'm not doing that. Oh, ask him what his favorite cartoon character is. Not really. Maybe, but, you know, we're not good. It's Shane fucking Corson, right? But Andrew Michael Burke said, T-Bone, maybe you can ask him about the Alexi Yashin series. The, not just one either, because Alexi they played for the Islanders as well, and course gave him a going over. But in particular, the 2001, I think, if not, it was 2002, but it's the Leafs versus Senators. Great classic playoff series. Two Canadian teams. And fuck, does course do a job on Yashin? It was brilliant to watch. And I don't remember even really reading about it or public. It was great when Andrew said it because I remember watching it. And I remember loving Shane Corson because, well, he's my buddy at that point. I mean, but before, of course, got to Montreal, like I, I really, really looked up to him as a player. I mean, we had a lot in common. I'm not kidding you. Um, you know, a lot. So I really looked up to him. Now, my feeling of like, I, w- I was in awe for the first day or two but course has a way to make you feel at home so literally like three or four days after meeting shane course and one of the like i won't say my childhood idol but certainly one of them as i was creeping into my teens definitely i i would say chris nyland first but nyland was there first like when i was five or six years old i saw nyland with my own eyes right 10 11 i got to know shane Corson as a player and love what i saw little did i know i'd meet him within a decade right so that level of, and close to an idol, yes, it was. Now, that level of fandom for me, though, now I grow into myself as a hockey player. And in 96, I meet him. So usually, think about anybody that you were waiting to meet, right? It would be like, you, you know, they kind of continue. They, they stay on a pedestal. I'm not knocking course when I say this, but within days, he was my buddy. Of course, he's on a pedestal when it comes to respect, and he was a vet, and I was a fucking rookie. Pick the pucks up, rookie. Of course. I just mean... The pedestal had been gone, had been taken away. Of course, didn't seem superhuman to me anymore. He, 
you know, being Shane Corson didn't seem unachievable anymore. Um, it, it didn't work out that way, but whatever circumstances happen, I'm just saying that's Shane immediately made, made me feel like he was my brother that, you know, I could knock anything. I could do whatever, bounce an idea off of him, talk to him about whatever was going on in my life and it would be fine. And I didn't feel like I was a drag on him or anything. He just had that way to make you feel one of the boys. And course, loved to have a good time off the ice as well as I did. But, but fuck me. The only time I remember him getting mad at me was one time I didn't come into the rink. I think we, he'd always say to me, like, you be there first. If you're coming out to fucking night sounds and shit with me, right? It looks bad on me too. And he's like, I'll be there. And he said, you for sure got to be there. And I'd be like, okay. So I, I made a point of it every single time I went out with course. Well, pretty much every time, but every time, definitely I went out with course, like got to get to the rink, ride the bike early. People just see that it's good optics, right? It's, it's aesthetically pleasing for everybody there that I'm in the rink early. So you might go through practice and the odd time you're hungover, but you know, you, you go through and then you stay on after. And I, he always made a point and I'd be like, well, of course the time I missed, I was like, well, of course I'm just going to do it after, which I did. And I did it harder, but he's like, it doesn't matter. You're out. People don't give anybody a chance to say anything. You show up first, right? The time everybody else gets there, you're already there. That way, it's out. No one's going to suspect anything. I shouldn't say suspect because the boys came out with us. I'm just saying as a rule, they're like, no one's going to give you grief. We all know. But if you start slacking at all, it's going to look real bad. And he said that from experience, and he was fucking right. Contrary to popular fucking belief, that's not what kept me out of the league, boozing. Um. I don't really want to get into it. It was fucking, a lot of it was against my fucking, there's nothing I could do about it. It was circumstantial, but um, I don't want to get into it because I, I enjoyed my time and I'm very comfortable in my skin. I'm very comfortable in the way my life turned out and is continuing to turn out. Now, did it happen because I played for the Canadians? A lot of it did. A lot of it did. Hockey's the vehicle. But, you know, I didn't need to play a thousand games or win a Stanley Cup to be me. I, I, I thought so for, for a few years. I thought that I was down on myself, but, um, turns out I didn't. Right. And I played for the Canadians and I'm proud of that. I'm more proud to have friends like Shane Corson and Darcy Tucker and Andrew Peters and Brian Burrard and Ken Reed and all the people that have been on my show and, and, and have agreed to it. Um, I'm more thankful for that. So games played doesn't really fucking matter to me anymore. I know people would say that, but, what does matter is that I was there for those times to experience with these fine men and women. And my life will always be mine. I will own that. Like I'm Terry Ryan, ex Montreal Canadian. And I'm proud of that. And uh, people like Corson made that possible without further ado, ladies and gents, it's great to be back. I hope you're all awesome. And coming up now, finally, Shane Corson. Be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the program the former Brantford Alexander, Hamilton Steelhawk, Montreal Canadian, Edmonton Oilers, St. Louis Blue, Toronto Maple Leaf, Dallas Star, and of course, Team Canada member. He is a wizardly winger, a charismatic Canadian, a dynamite dad, a hell of a hockey player, a fine friend, a resilient restaurateur, a bold businessman, a likable leaf, a heroic hab, a bodacious brother, a captivating captain. He has caused many teams griefs when, grief when he played on the Leafs. He talks the talk, walks the walk, and is a former Steelhawk. He never went to Stanford, but he did play in Brantford. 
He has a strong right jab and started as a hab. The rumor is true. He was also a blue. The opposite of boring, he led the World Junior Championships in scoring. Not surprising to me, he wore the captain's C. He wore the white and blue and owns restaurants too. He has a 32-inch waist and has impeccably good taste. If I can say any more, my voice will be Will Horson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pal, the one and only Shane Corson. There he is. Corson, how you doing, TR? Doing great, brother. You? Hey, TR. I'm all right, I'm all right TR. considering. TR, did my mom call you and write that for you? <laughs> Your mom of the infamous Mom's Restaurant, is that still going? It's still going, buddy, but they sold it a while back. As you know, my dad died when he was 45, so my mom and my oldest sister, not the one that's married to Tucker, but... My older one, uh, they they ran Patty. it for a while. Patty? Patty, exactly, brother. I, I I met Patty one weekend back in the day. I remember. You remember? Story. I remember you we were remember? driving around listening to uh, Gwen Stefani, No Doubt album. Just, had just <laughs> That's right. Out. A little I, red Corvette. Yeah, yeah. I remember very, very distinctly, and um, and and we'll get into that a bit. But your mom, at the time, she was telling me about the restaurant, and yeah. you probably wouldn't remember, but I remember. Um, when you first got traded to us in 96, 97, you did tell me a bit about your dad. Yeah. And then I told you about mine, but you, you had your mom down and you said, you know, your mom would probably like it here. And I don't know if you remember, you flew her up. You yeah. did. And I'll never forget that. But we'll, but we'll get into that in a little bit, of course. Love your dad. Too, What's that? Your dad's a beauty. I love him. He's a beauty. Well, <laughs> I think beauty. we got that in common too. Your dad passed yes, we away. Do. But you guys were real close, weren't you? Yeah, we were, buddy. I really, we, we had a lot of fun together. We spent a lot of time together. I love seeing you and your dad do that. Yeah, I know. You, you told me that before, and I believe I don't even know the timing of it, but I believe it was a little bit before I, you arrived in Montreal that happened. I remember you talking about it. Yeah, a couple of years before, buddy. So, of course, now, what I do want to talk about, there's no OHL team in Brantford anymore, and that is the hometown of Wayne Gretzky. So, yep. went to Brantford Alexander's, uh, the Brantford Alexander as a 16 year old yeah were you a superstar coming coming in you you don't have to be humble like were you a star minor hockey player or did you scratch and claw and within two years become this elite junior uh to be honest uh rye tr i was a pretty good minor hockey player i i played pretty good and i was pretty good uh through the minor hockey but i mean i had a lot of good teammates i played with too and i was surprised that a couple of them didn't make it to the ohl or, or even further to the nhl i had one of my teammates ended up at cornell university and did real well for himself he works at adidas now but i mean yeah i was i was probably the best player on our team growing up in minor hockey but you know me tr i don't like to talk about myself too much so well yeah you, you probably wouldn't say either but some people know i mean i knew right it didn't work out for me the the, the entire way i didn't play a thousand games in the show or anything but i knew when I was 12 or 13, that I have, a, I have a better chance than this guy next to me who I'm dangling. You know what I mean? Like, no offense at the time, but there's a reason that I'm getting 300 points and the other guys aren't. Um, <laughs> I've had a few drinks today. That's good, buddy. <laughs> well, I started hey. by doing that Ally Afraidy gave me the uh, three-shot challenge. Which I've seen the challenge. I've seen the challenge, and I'm going to do it on Friday because it's going to get my, my night started at around 4 or 5 o'clock and do the challenge, brother. Yeah, well, that's great. I figured, I figured you'd be game for something like that. I'm glad you showed up on Instagram, too. Um, a lot of guys... I'm having fun with that. PR, it's fun, man. It's, it's oh. actually fun. And it's a way to stay in touch with uh, your buddies, too, which is a lot of... A lot of good. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to stay in touch with your buddies, too, man. No, I totally agree. Um, 
for many reasons. Uh, of course, so you go from Brantford, it's there, you're 16 in Brantford. Yeah, you want me to tell you a little story about it in Brantford when I showed up in Brantford? For sure, whatever you can, because we don't talk about that part much. We talk about Hamilton, but tell me a little bit about it. So, like you said, I was drafted in the first round by Brantford. I show up there, you know, I'm this young um, kid. I drive in with a, uh, a car of my own, a Camaro, an old used Camaro. Okay, that's maybe it, wasn't, maybe it wasn't used, but anyways, Bob Prober was on the team. Todd Francis. Proby was on couple. that? Todd Francis. Uh, Bobby Prober was my left winger. Wow. My first year and a half, yeah. Bester was our goaltender playing in Toronto. But anyways, I show up in this new car. It's in, you know, and I, I play my first few couple shifts, get off the ice, go to my car after the, after the first uh, couple practices. And there's a big shit on my foot of my car. <laughs> Proby and Todd Francis. <laughs> Probert and Todd Francis shit on the hood of my car in the middle of the, like, it was spoiling hot. We showed up at training camp in August, right? It was just going all over the hood of the car, oozing down. I didn't know who it was at first, right? Nobody would tell me I'm going crazy. Like, I'm young, but I'm still fiery and full of bits <laughs> yeah. of vinegar, right? So I'm trying to find out who it is. Finally, somebody goes, hey, course. It was Bob Probert and Todd France, and I go, oh, God, yeah. what am I going to do, right? PR, what are you going to do, right? So yeah, Franny was as tough as Proby was, to be honest with you. It's the same with Franny. He was dropped the second round to Montreal. Yeah, I heard before. his name. Yeah, he was a tough guy, too. He got hurt in a brawl in Belleville and hurt his eye, but yeah, okay, maybe he never the same player after. So I find out those two guys, I'm thinking, oh, my God, if I let them push me around now, they're going to push me around for my whole career, right? So first scrimmage back out in the ice. See big 24, Bob Probert out there. I'm going, I got to do something, right? Went flying over there, bounced into him, bounced down, fell down. He was so big and strong, right? Oh, God. I get up and I go, let's go. And he just laughed at me. And I went, thank God he laughed. He goes, get away, get away from me, rookie. And he told me to get lost. So then, I ended, respect. For, then I ended up playing him for a year and a half, bud. And I gained his respect and we, we got along real well and we were close. And I played on the line with him for a year and a half before we traded him up to the Sioux and then I ended up fighting him when he was playing in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Wow. That's funny. You know, Kobe was a great man, man. Awesome dude. I tell a story. He was tripping me once on the ice. I only played against him twice. And I was like, and you had told me course, if you can believe this, we were again, you won't remember specific things that you said to me, but at the time, see, I was 18, 19, I was 19 turning 20. So a lot of it, I had to like, it was almost like you got to learn this quick or you're going to get, you're, you're not going to fare well. And you told me you're like, it's all good with, with those guys, and you're out because I fought Domi. And you're like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but you said, I don't know if you want to grab Probert or Twist. The, the joke is going to end at some point, and you might get your face broken. And I was like, oh, okay. And you were right. right? Not, not that I didn't I, know about Probert, but, you know, I, I was full of piss and vinegar. You would have fought him any – TR, you weren't afraid of anybody, brother. I wasn't Tony afraid, but, you know, there was something to be said for that. You're like, whoa, and Tony Twist and these guys. But Probert was great. So, anyway, I was, I was close to him. Yeah, I fucking – I'm dreaming or daydreaming. I'm talking to him on the ice, and he, can't, and he was done boozing, but he made a joke to me, and it's been, you know, a lot of people had used it, but he just said to me, he goes, hey, Ryan, my rum and coke gets more ice than, than you do. And, <laughs> and I kind of laughed, but I was like, ooh, like I'm kind of scared here, and I ended up fighting Cam Russell. But after the game, he came out. We all went somewhere. All the boys were going to Shea Pre. We went to Da Vinci or DeSalvi or one of those places, and he was there, and he wasn't boozing, but he told me – he said, "I ah, don't worry about it. I know course. And he left it at that. But I didn't realize that you'd played junior with him. Was he that yeah, tough in junior? Crazy tough, bud. He used to fight. There's a, 
I don't think many people know, but there was three Hatcher brothers, not just the Kevin and Darian. There was another uh, one, Mark. He was about six, five and about 250 pounds and probably would fight him every game. And it was just, it was, but yeah, he was nails and he had, he was a great player. Like he had some good seasons in NHL, but he was unbelievable to play with. He had great hands, great shot and just a great guy. But he was really good to me over my NHL career. He'd do the same. You put, you talk just like he talked. That was hilarious how you did that, by the way, because he, that's how he talked. Yeah, it's it's in my frontal lobe. It'll never come out. You know? <laughs> how you doing tonight? You just you don't be over top. How you doing tonight? Stay away from me, kid. Stay away from me. <laughs> don't worry, probably. I'm staying away from you, buddy. Yeah, but, but you know, I, he, he was a great teammate too. Well, you guys have a lot in common, and I do think. I mean, I'm I'm going to put him as probably my favorite tough guy ever. But of course, you throw, and I think because, and you know, and, and I know you like to be humble, but. You, you, you go on, because of your offensive prowess, you, we'll get into the World Juniors in a second and over in Hamilton, but a lot yep. of people don't realize that. Like, when you fought, you kind of fought like a jackhammer. Like, and yep. Proby's like, you must have learned a little bit. He shoots left, you shoot left. He scored a bit, you're, you're a bit better of a scorer. He's probably got the knob when it comes to absolute brawling. Um, but you, you're both very similar, and you tread that line. Did you learn a lot from him? Yeah, I learned a lot from uh, Proby. He taught me a lot about fighting and stuff like that. and It helped a lot. I mean, just being around him and watching how he did things, it, it taught me a lot. You know, another guy that you know him, uh, really well is Chris Nyland. Helped me a lot, too, because Chris wasn't the wow. biggest guy in Nyland, but he taught me because you and I are fight, fight a lot like, too, and we, I just threw as many punches as I did as fast and hard as I could, and hopefully I hit him. Yeah, yeah, I, very he, similar, yeah. I got hip a lot, but we fought, we fought a lot. Once you, once you realize you can take a punch, it's a great day, isn't it? Yeah. Like 1918 going, holy shit, like I can go better than those guys can because I can take one. That's right. But that's, well, that's the definition. My dad always taught me that. He said it's the guy that can take the punch is the toughest than the guy that can give them. Anybody can give punches. If you can take one, you're, you're tough. But So getting back to Knuckles, Nylon, is, he, he came to me one game and goes, but you're going to get killed one game, one fight, if you keep fighting like that. Because I was just throwing both hands and not even worried about getting hit, right? He goes, you're going to get killed one game. Because, you know, you go to the, the next level, TRs, you know, and everybody's, everybody's tough, especially oh, uh, during those times. And there's a lot of big guys out there. So funny thing is, I end up getting hurt. I broke my jaw against uh, Kurt Fraser. And um, it was on TV. And my dad goes, I was watching on TV, and I could tell you were out cold. I didn't go down, TR. I didn't go down, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But I broke my jaw. And my eyes... The whites of my eyes, my dad could see him. And they came down two, two days later to see him in the hospital because I was a mess. But he was right. He taught me a little bit more about how to control yeah. the fight a bit and breathe and all that stuff. And probably was the same way. He taught me to breathe. I used to just hold my breath and just go duh, 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 like that. You know, I wanted to hit him as many times as I could. Yeah. And uh, probably said, you got to let's relax and breathe, buddy. Breathe a little bit. Knox said the same thing to me. So Interesting. Yeah, he helped me a lot. He what me I always found crazy about Knuckles and Island it's amazing to me that he came out of college. He couldn't. Me too. You'd never guess it. You'd never guess it. He no. just became an NHL brawler overnight. Yeah. How good are your instincts now? That being said, he's from like Southie Boston or some shit, isn't he? Like he's, yeah, he's from a tough he's place. He's from South Boston. He's from um, South. Like yourself, I bet you that growing up, you know, I got into it. I, I wasn't a bully ever, but I'd answer the bullies, and I, I had a little chip on my shoulder. I'm sure you did too. Same thing, buddy. Uh, we never started it. We ended it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, you know what? That's another thing. Knuckles likes to say that. I'm a defender, Terry. I'm a defender. I don't start it. I end it. That's um, right. He, that's the truth. And, yeah. and, and I, I know your dad would say it. My dad used to say it. Don't be a bully. Don't start the fights because anybody starts them, they never, they never end up good for them. You're fucking right. Good wisdom oh. still coming through from your dad. Uh, yeah. um, of course, 
just before we go back to Hamilton, so Knuckles and I on all this shit, you told me a story back in the day, and it's funny because now it's on TV. Um, you were telling me about before the game in Montreal once, there was like this kind of pregame warm-up fight kind of... Anyway, now you, can, now you can look it up. Now it's on there. But at the time, you told me in the late 90s, there was no YouTube. And I'm loving this because the story... How did all that start? And weren't you in your first year? Uh, I think it was, I actually think it was my second year. Was it? Okay. Well, how did that yeah, start? But, but so what we did, we, Claude Lemieux and I, Pepe, we used to call Pepe um, Claude Lemieux. We used to have this little ritual after uh, the warm-up because there were no referees at the warm-up back in the day when I started TR. Yeah. And same thing when it was junior. You know that. We, we used to have brawls in junior all the time. Like, it was part of it. It was fun. Anyway, getting back to the, uh, the ritual. Yep. So I, I, I would usually, how it happened usually is I would jump out in the ice, get the puck, give it to Claude, and Pepe would put it in the open net, right? Yeah. So we were in the playoffs in Philadelphia. We did it the one game. We went to do it the second time. So we go off, what we do is we go off the ice, wait for them to go off the ice, and we go off. We wait for everybody to get off the ice, and then we'd, we'd be hiding, and we'd come back out on our own, the two of us, and do this. Second game, we come out, and they had turned their net around at their zone, so we couldn't put the puck in that. So I went down and turned it around. We went back. I gave Pepe No, 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 no. You went down and turned that net around? Yeah, so then, we, so then we scored, so we do it. So then the game, next game comes, it's in Montreal. We go, we go off the ice like we're going off the ice. We hide for a bit. They go off the ice like they usually do. Soon as we're coming down the, the uh, hallway there at the forum, Hospedar and Chico Rush are running the other way. So we're thinking, we got to get this ritual in. It's just part of our thing, right? So instead of me, uh, him putting the puck in the net, I jump in the ice. I grab the puck. I just tip it back to Pepe. He passes me. I put it in the net. And sure enough, they come flying out. They don't really grab me. They kind of make a half-ass thing to grab me, but they grab Pepe, and it, then it goes from there. The whole brawl starts. That's how it started, course. Yeah. So then, then we went, the brawl went on for like – it had to go on for 30, 30 minutes. <laughs> like guys, guys were out there without their, their, their skates on. How did that – on everything, buddy. How did everybody not get suspended? This is the National Hockey League. It's oh, like buddy. we're talking about Junior B. So there's about five or six fights, and nobody ended up getting suspended, not one no. person. No fines, no suspensions. Uh, you know, the way it ended up, there was about five, six different guys that squared off and actually fought. Most of it was just more like, you know, wrestling and grabbing. And, but there were some good fights. And then finally, Larry just grabbed two guys and pushed them aside. You remember Larry Robinson? How big yes. And everybody respected Larry. He goes, just, this is enough. Every end. Boom. And we just, the refs were standing over by the penalty box watching it all go on, bud. Not only that, you're like 20 years old. Like, Larry Robinson is, a, let's see, other thing. Like, a lot of people now, I hope you, you get the scope of what this is like. Course is coming into the league, first rounder, eighth overall, mid-80s. What was it, 84, 85, around there? Yeah, I was drafted in 84. Yeah, and, you know, yes, Gretzky and them are in the league, which, which Course would end up playing with more than once, Canada Cup 91 and in St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. But, yes, those guys yeah. were there. But Gretzky was becoming Gretzky during that time. He was great and everything, but he was – Course goes on to the Habs with, like, multiple guys who won four and five Stanley Cups. Yeah. And you're coming out of Hamilton Jr. I mean, that must have been mesmerizing, was it? Dude, I was so nervous walking in that dress room and stepping on the ice for the first time. Funny story. The first time I ever walked into the Montreal Canadiens dress room in the Montreal Forum, I come down the hall. I turn right because you can either go left and take your clothes off. Yeah. And the washrooms are that way or go right and go into the room. So I just wanted to go into the room the first time just to see what it looked like. So I was so excited. I look over in the corner. Who's sitting there? Guy Lafleur. Yeah. In all black. Like and you know the stories in the day they said that he just he loved black because he had black cars, black everything. I remember all yeah, that. He was yeah. black. Like he was dressed in black sitting there and like 
dart hanging out of his mouth in the old days, right? It was just hilarious. Hair he, flowing. He's just, he's just, yeah, the hair was flowing, looked amazing, and just the nicest person in the world. But I was so nervous, TR. But to see him sitting there was like, oh, my God, Guy Lafleur, like one of the greatest players ever played the game, right? Unbelievable. But he just, super, super, super good to me, man, that guy. And he still to this day is good to me. Um, oh, I had that's a little a- bit of his whiskey there because they made whiskey, right, the alumni? There's Sittler, Lanny McDonald, I think Clark, and Guy Lafleur, and – I had a little bit of it the other night. But. Did they, though? Is that what it is? That, I hear this. I didn't realize that they yeah, were the all alumni, in on that. Alumni did some, and they're going to do uh, some other, or they might have done some other guys already. Bossy. They've done, a, they've done a bunch of guys. They're doing six at a time. Um, yeah, of course. I want to ask you about that. I got to go back before. I got to get this out of the way. You go to Hamilton from, from Brantford. Yep. Now, were you guys playing at a Cops Coliseum in junior? You weren't? We were out of the mountain arena. It was unreal. It was like, like, it was like, we call it like the dog pound. It was just crazy. It was a small, dirty, smelly old rink. But it was amazing to play in. And we had a great team for that. Cause we had, we had a ton of guys on that team that were tough, not just Proby, but we had a tough, tough team. And Bill LaForge was our coach who got, Oh my away. God. Yeah, oh was, my God. Bill LaForge. Yeah. He got thrown out of the OHL Western league, then came back to the OHL. But anyway, he had boxing so before I got to tri cities. He had, he had boxing. So tri cities I'm drafted there when I'm 14 and he was there right before me for a stint. Yeah. And he had boxing, boxing gloves players. hanging off the, the ceiling. Like for, and he said, if any pro- player's got a problem, just put those on and duke it out. Like, it was all about you know, give the players rations for their meat. Like, this guy was – I, I talk about this. He had a heavy bag in our room. What? He had a heavy bag in the middle of our room. <laughs> did he too? He did that too. Bag. Okay. So he would tie the team's jersey around it, right, and then tape it. And then we had to, we had to go a minute with our right. And then switch. That was part of our training. And a minute with our left. Wow. Every well, guy we would sit around the room, and every guy would go, and, and you have to do it every – like we did it three times a week. Uh, unbelievable. Okay, sorry to, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you had, you had, if you had a tough team already and then you had him in charge, there's not much tougher because he's going to make whatever team he has the toughest possible team that is. Well, he used to make us wear black to go out for warm-up. Not our normal jerseys, all black. Black socks, black jersey. For the intimidation. And then we used to shoot pucks at the other team. Yeah, okay. You know Old school. Stuff. Whatever they'll let you away with. <laughs> you, get away with that, you get away with that stuff back then. I know. If they'll get, you know, it was like the Wild West, and I, I, I guess in his eyes. Anything like, goes, TR. Anything yeah, like, goes. Try to intimidate him, man. Like, if you're Bill LaForge and you get hired, you must go, uh, it's no secret why they hired me, so exactly. I'll just keep slinging guns. And You know what I mean? Like, why? If, there's, if no one's going to call you on it, I suppose you're going to keep going. Um, now, of course. Then we had the brawl. You know what happened then? How we got finally was done, done? We got on a brawl. There was, you know how they had, used to have the uh, CHL hockey game of the week on, on Sundays at 2 o'clock? Yeah. We had a full, complete brawl in that game. Proby was on the Sioux at that time, and we were, on our, we were in Hamilton. We had a full brawl on TV. So they came up with shopping carts and picked all our gear up, so he got suspended again. The goalies were beating up the goalies. Every, both teams were on the ice forever. Brad Delgarno didn't happen to play – Brad Delgarno was fighting Proby that. That's oh, my God. I've seen it on tape. He's a, okay, I've, I've met him in recent years in Toronto. Started. And he yeah, told me about it, and I went and looked at this. That, you were in that course. I didn't even realize, man. Yeah, I was there. Number nine. I, I watched that fairly recently. No, I was talking with Brad. I was having a meal with him in Toronto, and yeah. he brought that up. And I'm like, what? You, you fought Bob Proby? He goes, yeah, actually, I, I fought him more than once. And he said, like, he, he didn't like me in junior. I was like, whoa. It's the last guy. TR, TR, he did really well. Delhi did a really good job. Really good job. Yeah, considering. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, of course, you, World Juniors weren't as big of a thing then. And, you know, it came into prominence, I guess, in the 90s. But it was still on the go. A lot of, it just wasn't – it was exactly the, the same 
players were picked from all over the world. You went to the tournament. I don't, I don't think there was a championship game. It was a little bit different. But people weren't watching it as worldwide as they are now. How was that experience? I'm going by courts. You telling me. I believe you won one, lost one, but I know you won the scoring one year. Sum it all up. How was it to play? And wasn't it in Hamilton one year and you're playing there? Yeah. Well, you know as well as I do, to represent your country and put that Canadian jersey on, there's nothing like it. Like, for me, it's next to winning a Stanley Cup. If you ever got that opportunity to do that, playing for your team, uh, your country is amazing. But, yeah, so we, we played in Finland the year before we won. You know, Wendell Clark was on that team. Marie was on that team. What a team. Claude Lemieux was on that team. The funny thing is, we played the second year, and it was in Hamilton. It was at the College Coliseum. We actually moved our team, junior team, moved down there after the tournament. So we played half the season down there. But Interesting. it wasn't the same as playing the mountain. The mountain was way better. But anyway, uh, but you, you, if you look at our team that, that played in Hamilton, we had a hell of a team there, too. Like, really good team. Maybe on paper better. But our team that ended up going to Finland, I guess it was just because we were together a lot. We, and we bonded a lot we won the tournament but we came second here in uh in canada in in, uh hamilton but yeah and sometimes that can just be an off game yeah and you know what uh great experience brother and just being with the boys and hanging out with the boys and putting that jersey on them winning and you got you don't have to worry about what team you're playing for because you're being supported by the whole country there's nothing like it right when you play for your country, it's like there are always your your fan and oh there's nothing like it nothing like it no, nothing. And, uh, it almost may give you goosebumps when you put on the jersey, I'm, to be honest. I'm getting it right now, thinking about uh, it. Yeah, it's right? true. There you go. So I did lead the tournament in uh, in Hamilton. I led the tournament points. Uh, I think JoJo Murphy either was tied with me or one, one, one point shame about JoJo. I, you know, I feel bad for the guy, man. Great. I play with him in St. Louis, too. But um, JoJo Murphy was either a point behind me or uh, tied with me. I can't remember. But How, yeah. How's he doing now? I read those articles. You know, yeah, he wasn't doing um, well. Not great from the last time I've, I heard. I know that um, Trevor Kidd went and seen him. I talked to Kidder a little bit about it, and uh, he wasn't doing it. He didn't want to accept anybody's help. You know, you know, get into that stuff. You need to, you need to realize it's like anything. It's like my anxiety and panic attacks, my mental health issues. You need to realize you need the help, and then you got to want the help, and then you got to go get it. And JoJo's not ready. He doesn't want the help. They, they try to put him in places, and he just leaves. He said, I'm done. Of course, but, haven't we come a long way? I remember even in junior and. I don't know. I don't really know in Montreal because like, I, I was going to see Wayne Hallwell once in a while. I mean, you know how that's yep. like too, first overall yep. or, or first round, eighth overall. Yep. Right? Like, and, and you come in and, and there's expectation and everything, but at some point you're still also just coming out of being a kid and being with the boys in junior and like playing ColecoVision. And, you know, there's, there's a real weird kind of time there where, where Budweiser turns into scotch and soda. And, you know, ColecoVision turns out to hanging out in cigar bars with tens. It, it's this odd kind of time, right? You know what I mean? How, how that happens? But well, I think I do. I think yeah, I yeah. Do. Well, how was that? I know what mine was like. You saw it firsthand. But how was that for you coming into the Habs? And not only that, the young guys on the Habs when you're there, I mean, included Claude Lemieux, Chris Chelios. And, I mean, they won the cup right before that. So yeah. you're, you're at the peak momentum ever of Habdom and fandom with some young guys that are going to be superstars just like yourself. How, how did you handle that? <laughs> you know what? I was actually supposed to go there and play there uh, the year before when they won the cup. Uh, they had called me up. I had my, my plane ticket and everything, and I ended up getting hurt my last game of junior and tore my knee and my ankle off, so I didn't go. So Dave Maley ended up playing instead of me, who's another great guy. So I'm really happy that he, he got that opportunity and won the cup. But 
that could have been me if I didn't get hit. Oh, hurt. yeah. I, I, I hung I, out with him during the cup, and nobody partied better. I, you, you would have thought I won the Stanley Cup. Wait, hey, so, so you were – no, but you were you – were, yeah, so you, you took it I in. I with him. You weren't home watching the whole thing unfold. No, I was okay, right there. Well, of course. Yeah. And guess what? what? I partied just as hard as they did. You would have thought oh, I won man. the cup. <laughs> oh, my God. Downtown Montreal. Someone asked you, are you on the Habs? Did you just win the cup? Well, of course I did, yeah. I had my jersey on. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I had my jersey on. Are you kidding me? Oh my God! What a unique story to take. Anyways, I uh, Tr. You know what? You're you're from a you're from a small town. Um, I'm not from a small town, but I'm from Barrie. And when I left Barrie, it was like twenty seven thousand people. It's growing a ton because it's so close to. Yeah, and you're from uh, a, a, a small, new, a, a closely knit family and friendship within yeah. that. Yeah, same so, thing. Bar- Barrie, you know, I'm in Mount Pearl, suburb of St. John's. Yeah. St. John's, but it's very small town atmosphere. Go ahead, I cut you off, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I know okay. exactly. No, no. Yeah, I but identify. Then you go to a big city, right? And then I played played in Brantford, was another small town. Hamilton was not the size it is now; it was pretty blue collar and small too. And then you're a young guy, you got a little bit of money, and you're hanging with a bunch of a lot of young guys too. It's it can get you, it can get you. And trust me, it's well documented. I had a lot of fun off the ice, just as much off the ice as I did on the ice. So we had a great group though. And we played, we, we, we partied hard off the ice and we played hard on the ice. And that's one rule. Uh, many, well, Charlie was one guy that taught me that when I, when I played that if you're going to have fun off the ice, just come to work the next day and play hard. And another guy, um, Gretz, he knew I'd like to have a good time. He said, as long as you, you know, come to the rink and you're the hardest working guy the next day, I don't care what you're doing. Just have fun and enjoy yourself, but play hard the next day. So we had a lot of fun as a team there. And the difference I think TR back then is that nobody, it, we all made around about the same money. So nobody was jealous of anybody. There was no jealousy or this or that. Nobody was backstabbing anybody. We stuck together on and off the ice and you never had to worry about it. So you were all together all the time and you had so much fun off the ice. I really believe it carried on the ice and you, you played well and did things together and you stuck together. And I think that was one thing that I learned in Montreal is take care of each other and and take care of the, and, and be good to everybody. The young guys, the fourth liners, uh, the superstars, you got to be treated all the same. Cause if you're going to win, you got to be treated the same and, and everybody's got to feel part of it. And that's something I was taught from a young age. Uh, no, definitely. And uh, of course, um, I can't put into words how much, I mean, I identify with that. Yes. But the thing is, so you came in, you were about eight or nine, 10 years, maybe in when I met you, Yep. And I'd heard all these things. And then, you know, I come home now and people are like, oh, I heard that guy. He's such a crazy party. I'm like, you know what, though? In the end, man, the Habs were the Habs. And they wouldn't have people around if they weren't professional. I said to everybody, I said, I heard the same about Lyle Odeline. I heard the same about Mark Recchi. I heard the same about uh, Chorus. But the thing is, we were all, like, the ver- I remember you being adamant. You, the only time I ever remember you getting mad at me in Montreal was when once I didn't get to the rink before practice and do the bike. You're like, if we're out especially in your position. You're like, if you're going to go out with me, we're going to look bad if we're not in there first. And I live by that rule. And you know what? If you can handle it, you can handle it. And you could clearly handle it. Um, that's, the, that's the thing, Tierra. You got you to, you, and, and again, I, I mean, I pass it on to you, but I enjoyed doing that because I liked you and I knew what type of player you were and I knew the type of kid you were and you were going to come and play hard every night and stick up for your teammates. But I got taught, I got taught that by like guys like Chelly. You know, Knuckles Nyland told me that. Gretz told me that. You know, those are the types of people that taught me those things too. And you need to pass it along to young guys. And you got to take the young guys and, and be good at them because they're going to be the guys that get you to the next level if, if you want to get to that next level. So, I mean, we, it's well known. It's well known, TR. I, I, uh, I had some fun off the ice and maybe missed a couple planes, but 
I made I, up for it when I got to the city. <laughs> it certainly did. And the thing is, of course. It cost me a few flights here. I'm out of my own pocket, but I made it there and then I played out of your harder. own pocket. Yeah, you didn't come in complaining. You didn't cast any blame. Yo, oh. you, weren't throwing, you weren't throwing rocks at a glass house. You were going, yeah, okay, you got me. But, but the other thing is, of course, can you fucking imagine if they had all this social media and everybody had a phone with a camera on it when we were playing? Like, it would have been a bestseller. Like, what? It would have been a bestseller. <laughs> oh, my God. You could have, oh, my God. You could, it could be just a reality show. Just hook a, it would have been the hook best a camera up to your ever. shoulder. <laughs> It would have been the best one ever, TR. Um, and for a lot that don't know, so of course, we went out in Montreal and had a great time. And of course, it's into the, the food and, and you know, the, the wine. And it wasn't just a, a party, although it seemed like one. But, you know, we were going to restaurants a lot. And course had a restaurant, Shane's 27, I believe. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people that read my book, you realize that's where my, my best friend in the world, Jeremy Charles, a world-renowned chef now, <laughs> Literally just got voted one of the top 50 most influential people in Canada by Forbes magazine. Well, yeah. course gave him that opportunity. He was working at Le Chateau and he came in and he was thinking about going to culinary school. And course says, Hey dude, if you go, all you gotta do is go to the school and I'll give you a job. You know, you whatever, start off in the kitchen and which is exactly what happened. But a lot of people know that, but the bartender there was Sam Roberts, the rock star. Yeah. So yeah. We would always set them up with tickets. Often my two tickets, of course, had his family and, and then Darcy, you know, ended up uh, marrying his sister. And there was where, where they were and Army was involved. And of course, you had a posse. You were like a rapper. Like wherever we went, there was some posse outside of the people that wanted to hang out with you. And in Montreal, of course, I know I'm talking a lot, but you know what I mean? How a lot of guys can disappear and they want to because there's all that pressure. And, you know, they, they want to be in the limelight. But, but you ate it up and I ate it up and talked some... So wherever we went, and fans knew they could kind of talk to us. Yeah, so. we're normal guys, dude. Yeah, that's, what, <laughs> that's what I love about it, TR. That's why people, like, that's why I love you. you man, you're approachable. You can talk to anybody. You can have a conversation with anybody, and people love being around you because that's who you are. You're not, you don't pretend or act like you're something that you're not. You're just a good guy that has a lot of fun and enjoys life. That's all it is. Well, listen, people thanks. love that. I do appreciate that. that that's why, it. that is why we get along. Of course, I always got that, which from you, and that it's, no doubt to me that that's uh, why you were a leader and you, you captained uh, three teams in the NHL at a point. Thank you. Um, but go, let's go back to J Jeremy. Okay, Jeremy Charles. Jeremy. Let's go because there's, there's this interview 10 hours if we wanted to get it all in. So, yeah, yeah, let's talk about Jeremy. Go ahead. We can go back on again in another couple weeks or whatever. A month, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is part one. Jeremy, amazing. What a kid, eh? I mean – yeah, he was my best friend for, like, I mean, of course, I since we were seven years old. I know. Like, I, I know. I've talked to Jeremy many times to come out there for the, the well, I talked to him before when he was in Montreal, but then I want to come out to do the events out in, you know, out in your area and out east and different. We were all over the place there, Halifax and Moncton. We're all over there. You know what I'm saying? All over. And, and he's out there. So I've got some time to talk. He's actually, Jeremy took us to a few of his restaurants the one time we were there and they were amazing. Yeah. He's like a great kid, man. And talking about humble, humble. One of the most humble human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And same with Sam Roberts. They're just, they're both great kids. And I was very fortunate to get to know them when they were, they were younger and they've just turned in and been so successful. And you, you're, you're happy when you see people that are so good, good, that are good people and become successful. And then they try to help other people. They're amazed to two amazing people that I actually met Jeremy, Jeremy because of you probably more so. And then, well, but yeah, yeah, but the thing is, of course, what's great 
because I was up and down and then, you know, I always figured I'd get up, I'd get up and then I got hurt and I, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, well, outside of getting into my career, but, you know, Montreal was always a hub I was going to be. So when that broke off, Jeremy was still there and you really took, but, you know, like I said, you're like an older version of myself. So you guys really got along, but not that he needed me, but it certainly helped that we were both 18, 19, 20, 21 in Montreal coming from And when you I took that, and yeah, I mean, that's how we met. Jeremy got his break. I don't know if you know, because he met um, people at this retreat that the Molson family had up north. And the only reason that Mr. Molson knew about Jeremy was from eating at your restaurant. That, that's what happened. Yeah, but you, you, you're, you hit it the, right on the, the nail on the head is that you, sometimes it's good to have a good buddy that you grew up with that you know you can trust. You know how it else is, TR. There's a lot of people that they, they want to be around you for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You, you two together were great. And I, and I see Jeremy really cares about you and you cared about him too. So it was good for both of you, I think, to be there together for sure. I mean, I kind of wish that I had somebody in Montreal that was really tight with that, you know, in my first couple of years that could say to me, you know what, maybe take it, take it down a notch or take it up a notch, whatever. Because <laughs> I actually met Mel Dog. I met Mel Dog. You've met Mel Dog since we, were, we played hockey together when we were seven. He actually ended up moving with me to Edmonton for a couple of years. Wow. Just for yeah. that reason, have somebody with me and with, with everything that was going on with my dad and all that and different stuff. So it worked out well. That was before I came back to Montreal. So it helped out a lot. How is he doing now, by the way? Mel Dog's doing great, brother. He's, he's a beauty. He's doing well. Uh, he's got his own little business working away. And you know how, how everything is right now. There's a bit of a struggle right now with everything. But uh, he'll get through it. He's a, he's a strong little nut. And he's, uh, he's going to get through it. And he'll be fine. And your buddy Army, how's he? Army's struggling a bit these days, brother. He, uh, he's got a, a couple of little things that he, he does that he shouldn't be doing. I mean, uh, I don't want to get into it, but we all suffer with different things and we all have our, our vices and, uh, it's a battle. that's just, he likes sports a lot. Yeah. I see what you mean. Well, it's a battle and, uh, wish him good luck. Yeah, life's a battle, same. brother. Life's it a was, battle. Yeah, it is. He was good to me back in the day. Um, of course, in, in keeping with the team Canada theme and Montreal, I guess it leads us into 1991. Yep. Now, you don't talk much about it, but and, and oddly enough, because of what happened in 87 when Lemieux scored that big goal, a lot yeah. of people um, that are, well, a lot of Canadians, you know, that's replayed, but you forget about the 1991 that was a very entertaining and equally as close other than that final goal that Lemieux got uh, series. So how was that to play? You guys won it. I remember Gretz scoring the backhand on a breakaway. I remember Steve Larmer. I remember all this from watching it live. I, I don't have it reproduced. How was it to, to win that with those guys? Oh, uh, buddy, uh, the, the, whole, the whole journey, I'll, be on, I'll tell you that how, how it worked out, is that that year they, they brought 66 of us in to try out. And I got the call. I remember sitting with my dad in the back, uh, back office. We always used to sit in his back office at the restaurant. When he was having a break, we'd go back there and have a few beers together and, and shoot the shit and – yeah. Just do this hot stove lounge stuff and just talk about different things. And actually the phone rang in the back and my dad said, so-and-so wants to talk to you. I took the phone and it was uh, Team Canada calling me. I can't remember who it was, if it was, I'm not sure if it was Pat Burns, my coach in Montreal at the time, or if it was Mike Keenan, the head coach. Anyways, it was one of them, or maybe both were on the phone at the time. They just said, we're, we're going to invite you to uh, Team Canada, but there's going to be 66 guys. There. So we had to go down there. Do all this fitness testing stuff. This is when it just started the fitness testing. Yeah, when I first yeah. came in, no testing or anything stuff. And I got the phone. I said to my dad, "Dad, I'm not sure. I'm like I was 25, I think at the time. I go, I don't know if I want to go. I was pretty nervous. I go, I don't know if I want to go. He goes, You're gonna go. Just go and it's the experience. If you don't make it, who cares? There's 66 of the best 
players in Canada are going to go. That's an honor right there. So who cares if you don't make it? So I went down there and uh, did the testing and I walk in the room and I'm looking at the lineup because there was at the time there was three different teams. We were going to play a round robin thing and for a couple days in Toronto. Then we went up to Collingwood and then we came back to Toronto to do the final cuts. So I go in the room to look at my lineup. Corson, Gretzky, Larmer. And right then, sweats. Like oh, instant sweats, right? I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God. So first scrimmage, TR. Yeah. I'm going down with Gretz and Larms. Gretz gives it to Larms. Larms gives it back to Gretz. And I'm just going back door like, okay, just go to that chain. Go to the net, go to the net. Yeah. He feeds me one wide open net. What do I do? I heal it into the corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my, my head right away just goes like this. <laughs> you know, you're down to yourself right away. He comes skating over me right away. Don't worry about it, kid. You'll get lots more of those. Oh, beautiful. Just like that's what I mean. That's the type of guy he was, right? Yeah. So yeah. going in there, TR was one of the most, exp most fun experiences I've ever had. I mean, I ended up playing on his line. They never switched me off that line the whole, the whole training camp, not once. Wow. And it was incredible. Uh, I got, and Larmer, one of the most, un, most underrated players I've ever played with my entire like, life. And I only he, tossed him out there, of course, because I watched that series and I think he's the most underrated Canadian in dude, that jersey. He it is. Wild. I, you'd think that we planned it because I mentioned it, but I didn't. Tell me a little no, bit about him. I loved no. watching him. Retired he, early, too. He was incredible. He was my, actually, because we had different roommates through the course of the tryouts. Yeah. Like I was with Adam Oates one time until he got cut. And then as you whittled down, you got moved to different rooms. But yeah. my roommate during the tournament, sorry of it, because there was tons of guys cut that year. There was big eyes when we got cut, and everybody was like, there were so many people that got cut. But we didn't lose a game that whole tournament, not one. But anyways, wow. I ended up living, uh, rooming with uh, Steve Larmer down at the Western Hotel down there in Toronto by the water. You know the one. Yeah. And he was my roommate. And I'm telling you right now, buddy, one of the nicest guys ever, one of the best teammates, and one of the best players I've ever played with. That guy could kill penalties, play in the power play. He did it all, and he played hard. He didn't fight, but he played hard. Yeah, there's tough, right? There, you can you can be tough without having to fight. He didn't fight because he knew he was going to get beat up, and it looked bad. I don't think That's he was right. scared. And he had other guys who would do it. Like he had yeah. guys like Cam Russell and those guys do it. And before that, Ben and uh, uh, Ben Wilson, all those guys. But he was my roommate, and he was unreal. And the funny thing is, I came in one night, maybe a little bit late. I'm from Barrie, and a lot of friends in from Toronto. <laughs> He goes, hey, kid. He loved me. He goes, hey, kid. And he smoked like a trooper. So I ended up getting my own room actually down the road. I said I had to get my own room because he was smoked. And then he was up early having a smoke and a cough and I couldn't handle it. I, one thing I never, <laughs> never done is like smoked or done drugs. Like I like my, my alcohol. Like, yeah. I like fun and it's well documented. I don't mind to talk about it. You know, that's yeah. why. But um, he goes, uh, want to sit down and have a coffee? I'm thinking it's like pretty late or well, maybe pretty early. <laughs> yeah. I go, okay, I'm not gonna, he's a, he's a veteran to me and he's one of the, one of my idols, he's a superstar. I go, I said, he goes, so he starts talking about the games and about making a team and all that. And he goes, looks at me, he goes, fuck kid. You don't know how good you could be. And I'm looking, I'm going, he goes, fuck, if you just took a break one night, you could be unbelievable. <laughs> he goes, you just kind of tone it down just a little bit. So, <laughs> really? That's something that Steve said to me. And I, I actually took it to heart and, Took it pretty easy for the rest of the tournament. Well, that's the thing, though. You're blessed with something that, because it does, I can't say it doesn't affect you, but yeah, like you, you can burn the candle at both ends a little bit and get by, and that's a dangerous thing because, but you know, yeah, I've seen you do it. I've seen yeah. you shut her down at two and be at the rink and, and skate or, or riding the bike for 45 minutes at seven or eight. Not everybody can do that. I know what no, he meant. Right. It that's still right. wasn't really hurting you yet because you were, 
But he was saying, you know, maybe in the long haul, maybe you should think about <laughs> taking a log <laughs> off right. the fire. <laughs> that's right. And, and you, you know, at a young age, you don't think it's affecting you. But now that I'm done playing, I'm, out, I'm getting older now. I, I realize that if I've drank and I try to work out, but if I don't drink and I work out, I'm way, be- way better on it. Like if I mo- watch that Pendleton bike, I, I do way better if I hadn't drank. In a couple Most days. people realize that at 2021. 20, so it's oh, you're right. great okay. that you're good. noticing good. it now. Here, yeah. here, you're um, right. Good <laughs> hey, funny you said that about burning the candle at both ends. So Pat Burns was one, probably my favorite coach, and he was tough as nails with us. He, yeah. he calls me, Mike Keene, and uh, Russ Cortland in the office one day, and he's steaming. He's red everywhere, and, he's lo- and we had been out of it. And the team hadn't been playing as well as we should have been, right? And he's sitting there, and he's just steaming. We're, the three of us sitting there scared as hell, right? We're going, oh, my God, what's he going to say to us? What's he going to say to us, right? He's staring at all three of us red, and then he looks, he looks at uh, Keene, and he goes, what do you think you're doing? You're out almost every night drinking. And then he looks at Russ and he goes, I don't even know why you're going out. You're too small to be drinking with these two guys. He goes, that guy there, he's a horse. And he points at me. He goes, he can do it. You two idiots can't. Don't go out with him. Come on. He said that. And he was heard to me, Russ Cornell and Mike Keene. So I go, uh, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. I look at the boys. I go, sorry, boys. <laughs> Oh, that's phenomenal. Then he, goes, then he goes, no, you three got to slow down. He goes, all three is. He goes, start taking it easy a little bit. I heard and he was a great guy. you, Keener and Russ, stay away from him for a couple nights. Was, was, I heard he was they, just a great guy. They did. Oh, Pat Burns? Yeah. Favorite guy. He was really good. He was like a second father to me, TR. I was going to ask you about the, your, your favorite coach, so this is, this is it. Yeah, TR, 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 I'll be honest. Uh, Pat was hard on us, but he was also good to us. Like, you needed to be kicked in the butt, he'd do it. If you, if you didn't, if you needed a pat in the butt, he'd give you it. And he was just, and he would be, and one thing, he never talked to the media about his players. He would deal with it on his own. If he wasn't happy, he'd tell us. He wouldn't leak it out to the press. And he had, I'll be honest, straight up, he had to deal with a lot of stuff with me and Shelly and different guys. We like to have our fun, but he always, he always had our back. And he said, if, if you guys come to work and play hard, like we talked earlier, he was, he was pretty good with it. So he was just an amazing person push this and he wanted to get the best of us. That's what he wanted. He wants to be the best players we could be and the best, the best team we could be. And he was, he was very supportive through my dad's, my dad's death too, actually, after I had left, even he sent my dad a letter to my dad personalized from him. So I'll never forget that. He was just a, just an incredible dude. Well, that's, uh, that's actually good to hear because I was always a big fan. I, other than shake his hand, that, that was it. That's the closest I came. And he was amazing. Hello. Yeah, I he, heard he, that. He was good. To, he was good to his players. Really good to his players. Um, and you know who I love, too? And a lot of guys had a problem. It was Mike Keenan. Man, I love Mike Keenan. Really? Yeah, that's um, interesting. I guess yeah, I got some stories with him. Did you have him in St. Louis? Had him in St. Louis and Canada. He was our head coach for the Canada Cup team in 91. Ah, it was, yeah. It was Keenan, uh, Bernsey, and Sutter. How, Brian Sutter. How was that three coaches? All the same wow. mold, buddy. Yeah, are they ever? And they're all, um, oh, they're, they're all very... Um, respected kind of alpha males how did that work oh buddy they they were they worked great together it was unbelievable wow they, they had um what was it tom watt from the university that kind of was the the the, the different guy like i know tom kept, my dad my dad introduced tom to his wife yeah so tom was kind of like the guy that would like keep them all in so they weren't all at each other but they they actually really worked really well together it was so unbelievable. Like, okay because i've heard about keenan like so he was okay. He was just real stern, was he? Like he was okay to work with other people. Uh, he no, he 
he got along. Not everybody loved Mike. That's what I'm saying. Like he, 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 he liked his guys for sure. And he leaned on his guys heavily. And if he, if he had it out for you, he could be really hard on you. So he, could, he was one of those guys to be hard on players. And, and some guys, you know, that TR, they can't handle yeah. um, the pressure or guys being a little bit, you know, get, you know, get, get a little bit hard on them about different things, you know, and some guys, like some guys, especially nowadays, you need to deal with people. People are all different. You know that personality wise. Well, they're bred, they're bred different now. That's right. No, that, that, Even back then. We, we came into it kind of expecting that. That's you know right. what I mean? Like, it was just a culture. If you yell at some guys, they just shut it down. If you, if you yell at some guys, they, they pick it up. I'm the same as you are. If they, somebody yell at me, it's like, get your buckle on. I got my buckle on. I did something. Yeah. I went for, if I had to fight somebody, I'd do it. I did whatever. Funny story about those three coaches, though. They were beauties, too. But beauties. You know that, eh? Oh, like, I've, beauties. I've heard. I've heard. So, we're in Team Canada. Oh, on Keenan, the way he used to cut, like the way he used to come in and cut guys and not on Team Canada, he'd just come in and point at you. That meant. Oh, my God. The most intimidating possible way to do it. He'd either come in or he'd send one of the, one of the other uh, coaches or a trainer even. The trainer would just come and go. You'd be thinking, whatever he knew after, like a few, few cuts, a few rounds of cuts, you got that, you were getting cut, right? But wow. anyway, so the team gets picked. Me and the last one, there was me and I want to talk, me and Taka were hiding kind of in the corner beside each other, hoping because there were only three more cuts. <laughs> one guy points at another guy, and then he points at another guy. Oh, we, we jump up. We go, holy shit, we made the team. So we're all pumped. So everybody decided we're going to go out that night. So we went out that night, and you know what happens. We, we had a really good time because we didn't play for a couple of days. They yeah. gave you a couple of days between picking the team and playing. And we had a later practice in the day, so we went out and had some fun. And uh, we get on the ice, and we're like, we're still banged up. I'm not gonna lie, to you. we're pretty banged up still, everybody. And that's when, like, Gretz had said, "Well, we're, you know, but still go out there and give it your all and work hard. And if you're the, I want you to be first, and blah blah." blah and every like drill and da da da. And we all did what we were told. The younger guys, we did that, right? So there's a lot of young guys in that team, and a lot of different types of players, like our touch style players. And we didn't lose a game, but anyway, so we're out there, and it's just a shit show. Passes are going way behind each other, ahead. Guys are slipping a bit on their skates. And like, oh, yeah. I could see the three coaches talking to each other, right? They're looking and they're shaking their heads and they're getting mad and they're trying to run the drills. And all of a sudden the whistle blows, like a loud one. And he calls us all and we all go flying in there as fast as we can. We're stopping. And I'm just sure that it just stunk. Like we had Vicks on and all that stuff, but it, you could smell us. The Vicks wasn't working, right? Yeah, yeah. He's looking at us and then he, all of a sudden he goes, Can I swear on this? Am I, yeah, am I yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Of course you can. Yeah, anything you want. He goes, you fucking guys are awful. You guys have been out all fucking night. Get off the fucking ice before you hurt yourselves. This was after 20 minutes. He threw us off the ice. Before you hurt yourselves. We're all, we're all going off the ice. Gretz and uh, I think it was Gretz and Mass stayed back to talk to him. Maybe maybe coffee. I'm not sure. I can't remember the three guys. There were three or four guys that stayed back and talked to him. The boys, those boys come back in the, in the room laughing, laughing. And they go, boys, they're as drunk as we are. They, they were out, too, the night before. They, oh, great. <laughs> so they were so happy. Practice was over in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking So it was pretty funny. So that's a good story. And they, but I love Keenan. Going back to Keenan, I loved him. He, he knew how to push my buttons, get the best of me, and I appreciate it. So did, so did, so did Pat. So I, I liked it. No, and they loved great. players like us. They loved players like us. Well, that's, I mean, it's how you, it's how you respond. Keenan, to me, like there's, there's different persons. Pe- What's that? He would have loved you. I met him here. I met him in a bar here, and he seemed like a good guy. And he, he did. The, the thing about Keenan, like, when he was talking about hockey, he seemed passionate about it. Like, he, he seemed oh, he literally, 
really enjoy the experience. Whereas some people, there's a difference between being stern and being a total dick. Like, I, I don't know, to, to me, I didn't really get to coach, be coached by him, but he seemed to light your fire and I can't really, you know, that's, I can only go by you. You're very similar. I've only heard good things. I heard he can be a fucking asshole too, though, but. Oh, you can. He was too. Some, some players he was. He ripped the C off of uh, Holly. He took the C off of Holly and gave it to me. And I was, I felt really uncomfortable about that because I really like Holly and Holly's a great guy. Like people, that. Yeah. people don't know Holly that well. He's hilarious. And he likes that. Like he's a, he's a good guy and has fun with his teammates. Uh, he says and does crazy shit because that's just Holly. He just says what he, he, he's, he's thinking at that time. And at least you know what you stand with Holly. Some guys, you know how they are. They tiptoe yeah. and tell you how great they think you are in your face. And then behind your back, they're like giving it to you, right? But you went way rather, way rather Holly's approach. Way rather. And that's what you're going to get with Holly. So you know it's so great. But yeah, he, he, he was a beauty. But I, I, loved, I loved Mike. And you're, you said it. Mike Keenan loves the coach. And if he yeah. loves the coach and he wants to win that, that's that much, I want a coach like that too. And they're not yeah, all like, like that. I want to win. Whoever gets you there, like, I'm sure you don't fucking, you don't have it out for me. If I'm performing, you're going to put me out there. That's right. right? There's no fight. That's, and that's, he wanted players. He wanted yeah, yeah, players exactly. to play the right way. Both and, and he wanted tough guy. He wanted guys to play hard. He was amazing. I loved him. I loved him speaking too. Speaking of that course, speaking of that in, in, in St. Louis, a lot of people don't talk about this, but when Eiserman scored that goal, yeah, seventh. It was in seventh the seventh game. game. Seventh in game. Double overtime. overtime. And they didn't they win the cup that year? Uh, I like to block it out. I'm not sure if they did or not. But yeah, I think you block it. I mean, came real close. And with Gretz back playing on your team, um, you know, that even though you guys lost, it's not all winning and losing. It must have been somewhat of a decent experience, was it? And I don't mind St. Louis. I thought it was a cool little spot. Experience was a, was great. We had a great group of guys there. Like Al McKinnis McKinnis was a great guy. Chris Pronger. We had McTavish. We had Brian Noonan. We had Glenny Anderson was a beauty. Grant Fuhrer is a gem. You know, all these guys had won cups before. And Keenan's not stupid. He brings guys in that know how to win, right? Uh, Murray Barron, big bear. Murray Barron. Now, Bear was in Montreal when I was there. I really liked that guy. How's he doing? Where is he? He's doing really well. He's out out, uh, west, buddy. I think he owns a bar or restaurant out west. Bear was like one of the quietest, nicest human beings I've ever played with and, and uh, just a great teammate. But we had – that's what it was. We had great guys and great teammates. We all cared about each other, and they were all – it was just a great experience. Uh, Igor Kravchuk was there. Mark Bergman, the GM of uh, the Montreal Canadiens, was there. Jesus. He was my roommate. Bergie was my roommate on the road when we uh, had a lot of laughs. You know Bergie's quite the character. Like, he's got some good stories. and he's Real nice stuff. fella. Yeah. Oh, great, nice great fella. fella. Um, of I mean, course. All the, all the boys on that team – were like Brian Noonan, another beauty, uh, good, good person. Cortland, Jeff Cortland was there. How, uh, how was it to be in front of the net? Yeah. On the power play. And Al McKinnis. Or not, Al McKinnis, yeah, because he goes, he goes shelf sometimes. So it's right. one of the hardest shots ever, and he likes to shoot it up for the, for the top corners. Unlike, he, Pronger was a hard shot, but he'd shoot it low almost. Like, what, what was that like? You know how we are. Yeah. Dude, they set him up for a one time. He hits me right in the shoulder. Hit me in the shoulder. I bet. Oh, I my God. What the fuck just happened? I, I, went down. I went down. It was like I got shot by a cannon. I went <laughs> down. But then you know how we are. We jump up. Oh, we're good. We're good. I go in the room after. I got a welt on my shoulder like this. Because you know the shoulder pads we used to wear. There was nothing. You could just crumple them up. But he went high and hard all the time. I was praying for my life every time they gave him a puck because he was going. Nine times to ten, Chopper was shooting. We call him Chopper. He was shooting high. But what a player. And, and you know what? His accuracy with that curve, he had a curve like that. 
but he had actually, he never put it. Did you ever see him make a backhand pass? Never. He always used to pull it and make a pass. But he had an accurate shot. So luckily, he only hit me the once in the shoulder. That was it. And then Dave Manson hit me, who had another shot in Edmonton on the power play and broke my leg. He had a hell of a shot, too, Dave Manson. And another, another beauty. Another beauty. beauty. And, get, and it, what adds to his beautydom is that I don't know how, but the fucking guy lost his voice early on. And he's, when I was going to meet him, like, he, was, he told me, he's the guy, of course, I never heard of it before. He's like, I was like, how did you get that guy with the elbow? He's like, because I look at him in the glass on the way in. He used, to, he used to look at the glass and use it like a mirror. And elbow guys, I never even thought of that before. And for a while, this was like Only the warm up. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, you look at yourself in the glass in warm-up, though. In warm-up, of course. Yes, in warm-up. <laughs> I know exactly what the glass looks like. I just never thought to look at anybody else. I was a selfish glass looker. Fucking. Um, he's, he's telling me about that. And then he's in the, in the, and I swear to God, I still wear the girdle, like the shell and girdle, because of him. And he had, yeah. like, cups coming off his stirrups for a bit. And then he, he, they asked him to wear bigger shoulder pads, and he wore, like, the flimsiest old school, like, 1950. And, and he used to fight, and he had this voice. He seemed like my grandfather, like my scary grandfather. It was just a wild guy to meet. And then, Tier. Tier. like you said, one of the best. Do you remember? Do you remember because of his voice? Because how he heard his voice, he got punched in the throat in the fight. But do you remember, he'd be on the bench, and he'd be getting so mad because somebody did something to him before the shift, brought, uh, during the shift, <laughs> or he'd seen somebody doing something on the ice. And he'd be kneeing us like this. Hey, of course, TR, Pops, tell that guy to go fuck himself. I'm going to kill him. Because the guy couldn't hear him. So of course, of course. I was the grocery stick for half the year. He did it all the time. TR, tell him this. I'm like, what? Please, can you tell him? I don't want to yell at tell people. Him. I'm tell not even going to shift to three games. <laughs> Remember? Tell him to go fuck himself. I'm going to tell him I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Going, I can't be doing this all game, Charlie. I'm trying to play a game. <laughs> oh, such a good guy. It's so scary. Where's he? I mean, he was from out west, wasn't he? Yeah, he's out west. He was, uh, he was actually assistant coach, I think, maybe in Prince Albert at one point. I think or somewhere out that way. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, yeah. Was- I, I believe he, he played junior there. Um, you know what? Anyway, going, back to, going back to St. Louis, dude, that, that team was a great – Great bunch of great bunch of guys and great bunch of teammates, but they knew how to win. That's what made it so special. They made everybody feel a part of it. They've all won so many cups, like a ton of them there. Anderson, yeah. Charlie Huddy was another guy who was there. Great guy, unbelievable person. And they knew how to make everybody on that team feel a part of it, whether you're playing two shifts or a hundred shifts. Well, and that was incredible. And then you just you everybody felt good and everybody was happy, having a good time. Oh, I played two shifts, but they still think I'm a big part of it. Blah blah blah. Well, there that, but you're coming off that. That's literally when I met you when you got traded to our team. Yeah. And you were uh, me and Tux were sitting down. That's what you, we and Tux were sitting down at this meal, and you came over. I can't remember what you said to Tux, but you talked for a while, and then you said to me, "You went first over, first round, eighth overall. You like to mix it up." You said, "Yeah, I have a few beers. You stick by me." You said, and, "And it'll be all right." Now, most people saying that would be nice, right? They'd be nice to say it because they were making you feel good. But you were you were genuine about it to the point that I remember. I, I don't remember how far into it, but Christmas Eve. I was at your house, and that's when I met your family. Yep. And um, I remember I it. that's when Shannon met Darcy, I believe. I believe. I yeah, it was the first time they met. Yeah. That was at, uh, that was at, uh, that was at uh, PK. We were on PK, just up from the old forum. We were. We were. And that's around that time is when I met Patty, when you just uh, yep. mentioned it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, of course, I said a half hour. We've been almost on an hour, but I got I to gotta get to a, a question or two, if you don't mind, before we go. Because, I mean, I know there's yeah. Leafs fans listening, and I haven't really talked about much Leafs. And if there's one thing that stands out in my mind, 
A lot of people would know Shane Corson from being the captain from the Canada Cups. I talk we're, we're, Canada Cup, World Junior. You know, it, it, there's a two-way, but when I think of your game, a lot of people think, you know, offense and toughness, but they, they really pass over the defense. I don't think that's just you. I just think it's part of our natural fandom. It, 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 they go to stats first. 100%. Yours were, yeah, yours were always good, but what, what, what the, my memory of Shane Corson playing in the NHL and being Shane Corson was late in your career, yeah. considering later, later, it was when the Leafs played the Senators and you were uh, in the Alexi Ashton. I believe you got assigned. I don't know if you were, but definitely was portrayed that way on TV, but you were all over him. And I he was. was a big time scorer. And I've often said, you know, whatever. I got nothing against Alexi Ashton. I didn't think, I, I thought he was spineless on the ice. I didn't think he had, he was a great captain. Now that's complete. That's for me not knowing him. So I shouldn't, but that's just it. So I was yep. watching because the Leafs were playing the Senators, and here's this guy that's supposed to score, and here's this guy that could keep him off. And you did a brilliant job. Explain how the mindset was going into that series. Well, TR, I'm gonna, I, my dad, and you know, my dad played a big part in my life, and your yeah. dad plays a big part in your life. And he taught me from a young age, even though we were scoring like 200, 300 points a season as you know, young kids playing minor hockey, he always said to me, I want you to play the full – length of the, the ice. I want you to play defense and your defense will lead into your offense. And then when you know as well as I do in Montreal, they taught defense. We spent yeah. 20 minutes in our own zone every 20, 30 minutes every practice. Every practice. Doing, every practice. Yeah. Working on our, our our own zone play. So I was taught that from a young age. So even before I came to Toronto, you know, and I had a guy like E. Carbono, Bob Gainey, guys like that, they could teach me that side of it even more. Too, winners, I think, like yeah. Killing penalties, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys didn't know how to kill penalties and, and play in that zone. But I was taught that even from a longer period going back by my dad Yeah. and my favorite players like Bobby Clark and Brian Trotche. And I felt that they, yeah. and Daryl Fuller and they all played that way. They played hard, but played well in all three zones. So, I mean, coming back uh, to Toronto near the end of my career, I knew I had to change my game a little bit, maybe fight even more to, you know, stay in the lineup and be that, that guy, one of those guys and to play a little bit better defensively. And Pat actually came to me, Pat Quinn, who I have a ton of respect for also another great man. I was lucky to have a lot of great coaches. All my coaches played a part of my You've my had legendary now. coaches. These are Hall yeah. of Fame guys, for a joke. Yeah. You've had like six Hall of Fame coaches at one time yeah. or the other. This is fucking amazing. Glenn Sather, another good man. But Pat was a really good man. He, he, uh, he came to me and said, you know what? We're thinking about uh, having you shadow Yashin. I said, whatever I can do uh, to help a team win. Because I just cared about winning a cup at that point. I wanted to win a cup. And I knew that team had a pretty good chance of winning one if we, if we stayed healthy. And unfortunately, as the story goes, we – we got banged up pretty bad in a couple of those seasons, but it was a challenge for me. I looked at it as a challenge, TR. I, I love challenges. I know you do too. And I thought, you know what? I want to do this. I want to shut this guy down. And, uh, were you and chirping? Actually, were you, were you chirping? Was there a mental aspect as well? I, knowing you, there I didn't was. really, I think, you know, me, like, even when I play with you, I, I didn't chirp that often. I would get involved in the talking, yeah. but it was always somebody else or would start You'd stick a guy off the draw just to let him know you were there and then easily play from there. Yeah. Give him a little smack, give him a yeah. shot, give him an elbow, give him a shot in the, in the glass, do something like that. But I never was. So with him, I didn't really say, I didn't really have to say a lot. I just, I kind of just stayed with, but I, I'd give him, I'd give him a cross check and the thing. I'd hold on. It was, it was different in the game back then too. Yeah. Terry. You know, you could do a hook and a hold. And I used to yeah. ski behind a guy down the ice in the eighties, uh, mid eighties, 87. Yeah. I stick on him just go, okay, take me down. Totally. It wasn't a penalty. But, no, it wasn't a penalty. It was a good play. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I didn't do a lot of – no, I didn't have to really get into – now, sometimes you have to get into guys' minds. They're a little bit tougher to do that too, but I just – I tried to be on him at all times. I tried to take away his space and time and 
And luckily for me, and then, you know, TR, it's not just one guy. you got to have three, two other linemen on your line, and then the two defensemen, the goalie, doing their job too. And at that point, I had some guys that were there with me, and uh, they were doing their jobs just as well. So if I got lost somewhere and he was some, another guy, like Hoagie was on my line, Jonas Hoagland, who's a great guy. He was in Montreal for a while. Another great person. And uh, yeah. it, it ends up being a team thing too because even when you're not on the ice, you got to be ready to change for me. you got to come off for me if he's coming on. So it, it's it's quite a thing. And the all the guys did a great job and it, 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 it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was a challenge for me, a different challenge for me in my career. And I just wanted to be a part of it. Uh, no, it was, it was great to watch. Um, it was great to watch you and Tux actually play for the Leafs. You, mm-hmm. It was noticeable, the passion that you played with. And, you know, they're, they're always, I hate to say it, but they always need more of that. And, and it, it, the, the Habs too, for, for, you could make the argument, but you know, I just noticed this year, like Kyle Clifford came in and all of a sudden there's a buzz in the building and you know, he just, he played moderately tough compared um, to back in the day, but, but whatever, it was something. And I don't know if you realized it at the time. I certainly did. Cause everybody in Newfoundland is either Leibs or a Haps fan, but you know, you guys played with passion. And I think most Leibs fans really appreciate that. A um, couple of layups here, of course, cause we've gone way over the time. We're just going to have to do, Volume two, volume three, whatever. You're a great guest, um, and I appreciate it. So, favorite restaurant on the road? Favorite restaurant on the road? Anywhere that you were on the road. Like, where did you like going? You're a guy, you know, these are- I love these restaurants. Are, TR, I'll be, I'm going to be completely honest with you. But you know what my favorite restaurant was, bud? Da Vinci. Yeah, yeah. Da Vinci was my favorite restaurant. Can't, can't compare to anything back in the day because they treated us so well. We were like family there. You know that. We went in there and we were like family. What do you want? What do you need? Any any meal? What do you want to do? Oh, yeah. I continued to go for years. I haven't been back in a couple. Is it still there? Uh, You know what? I haven't been back in two years either. I heard heard that it had been taken. Well, I knew that it had been taken over by another family like quite quite a few years back because one of the owners got sick, actually. It's funny. I was there. uh, uh, Oh, sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Uh, I was there. Maybe five years ago, yeah. I walked in and Peter Savota was in there. It was still open. I, I, I'd never met him. I just, I just heard you talk about it. But you're, you are right because we used to go to Da Vinci and like everybody would end up there. And I often, people from Newfoundland would go up and watch games and they would expect me to, to be at Thursdays or Sir Winston's. And I'm not yeah. saying I didn't go there, but there was so much to Montreal that people don't see. that The restaurants. Um, Montreal's one, unreal. Like, a meal can, can be five, six hours. Yeah, right? it's just the way it goes, and you're the European feel. That's a European flavor, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll spend there all night, and then it turns into a nightclub after. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it does. Of course, you took me to a place called Buonanotte. My first time there, I love the place. It shut down last year. Please open again. Please open again. <laughs> um, it was just hey, unreal. So, and then you know what, Tiara? I'll be honest. You know what? What? Uh, when I first came into the league, Tiara, like, like I made more money my first year than my my mom and dad obviously yeah. did. But it was different back then. We didn't eat like the guys are eating now. We would go to right. different places, but. There was always the Mortons that were good. There was different restaurants like that. But, I mean, I just – I always loved Da Vinci's. I mean, I know it's not a road restaurant. You wanted a road restaurant, but – No, I, I didn't really. I just wanted anything because it's such a – My favorite restaurant was – My favorite restaurant in the day was Da Vinci, by far. You know why? They treat us like gold. We all went there together. We had fun there together. They let us have our fun. They didn't – they'd say, what do you – they didn't make us use the menu. They said, what do you want? Just like an Italian family. Do you want what do you want? We'll bring it whatever you want. Come on. What do you want? Wine. Exactly. Food, chicken. What do you want? It was totally. just like incredible. It was like being at home. So yeah, I, it I, makes sense. And that's like when you come out east, the people are the same way out there. 
Beery, right? that's, that's why I liked it. It was like going to a restaurant. You just took the words out of my mouth. I would say it's, it's like going to a restaurant here. You can, like Jeremy has Raymond's here, right? And he has the Merchant yeah. Tavern. And both yeah, are well, real, we real those, nice. He went through those nights, you and I. He took us around and showed them. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're and, of course, you could – there was a lot of Da Vinci Shane's 27 flavor into those places too. Right. Yep. I mean, you learn from experience. Um, of course is your, do you still have your Canada cup Jersey? Yes, I do. Uh, not that I wanted. I was just wondering if you're a collector. I think it is somewhere TR. I'll, I think I'm a bit like you. I shove all my stuff. I got, it's all there. You just don't know where <laughs> I think I'm hoping it is. It's in the, it's like, I've shoved it in boxes and it's in different places. I have, I have my, I know I have my, uh, my Olympic jersey. You know, I know I have my 98 Olympic jersey. It's because uh, Phil, you know my buddy Phil, right? Remember Phil? Of course, Phil, yeah. <laughs> of course, I remember I Phil. I, go, I, can't, I lost my, my Olympic jersey. He goes, oh, I have it. He's had, oh, he had he? it for years. <laughs> I think my Canada Cup jersey somewhere. I could be wrong because I've lost a bunch of my stuff. I mean, I'm not running into all that stuff. You know how I am, Tiara. Like, it's. I got to get to that I, too, though. No, I, I, I do. wish I had more stuff like more signed stuff from my teammates and guys that I played with. That's another thing, TR, the 98 Olympics was probably one of my best experiences, like, worst experience. I, can't, I didn't even get there, but yeah, but tell me a little bit with, about it before we go. Cause I can't play with Lindros over there. And, um, it was supposed to be Korea cause we had played together before, Yeah, but he was a gem to play with and a great guy too. But then Korea got hurt. So we ended up playing with either Rec, Recky or Brindamore. But why it was a, the experience to play with those like amateur athletes and see how hard they work. And, yeah. and then your race could be over or whatever event they're doing could be over like that. And they put years and years and years into it. And they don't get paid to do it. So that was a great experience to learn all that and be able to hang out with them and see how hard they work. Yeah. The worst experience was we lost in the shootout and I'm sitting beside Wayne Gretzky and he doesn't get picked. Of course. Shoot. So this is a, this is an unbelievably big moment in Canadian history. Are you telling me that you were sitting on the bench beside him? Next to Wayne fucking Gretzky. And right, he doesn't him, get, oh no. Tell me, and just he, tell me. He why. didn't say a word because he's so classy, but my leg was bruised from the knees he was giving me, just like Charlie used to do when he wanted us to yell at someone in the ice. So I was getting the same type of thing. I mean, but he never said a word. He never spoke, did he? I figured he'd go like under his breath, what the fuck? But it's Wayne Gretzky, I guess, and he didn't have to. Holy too shit. Too classy, uh, Wayne, but I got, a, I, got the, I got a bunch of knees, though, trust me, every time. <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking? I, I looked over my shoulder about three times going, like, when is he going? Like, I'm looking at Mark Crawford going, like. It wasn't a defenseman went in there at some point. I mean, they're Ray all Gore. good. Yeah, they're Ray all Gore. good players, though. They're great players. Hall of but Wayne Gretzky is there. I mean, you I got to put Wayne out. You're not going to lose if he, if he misses. But if you don't pick him and we lose, look what happened. It's over. Crawford wasn't around for much longer for a while. No. But, you know, it was sad that they did that to him. It shouldn't happen. Because my roommates were Primo, Bork, and Flurry. So Preems was like a, um, he's like in the Underrated. stuff and like, he just, he doesn't, and he, he does this thing. Great person, great roommate. And um, then there was Flurry was like, at that time was pretty much off the rails. And then Borky was like the dad. And then I was kind of like closer to Flurry. Yeah. Well, you're the glue. You're the glue though. <laughs> I was closer to Flurry. Ray, <laughs> Ray was the dad. He kept the, he kept the glue. He was the glue. You were, but you, you were always closer to Flurry in those, but you never like fell over that edge. It's wild. You, yeah, you but just, it, was, uh, it was an incredible experience, but losing that was just heartbreaking, but especially when you're, you're, your whole country's up early in the morning watching, right? So that was tough. So sorry. Well, you battled some course. injuries though. Of course for you, 96, 97, you came into Montreal and you were battling some then. I don't know if you even knew about the colitis then, did you? I don't know, but that was going yeah, on. Yeah, I did back then, buddy. Did you, I, you, you used to lose weight on that or something, didn't you? I'm not yeah, big, I'd I, lose like 10, 15 pounds at a time. 
losing yeah. it would come and go but i, so and then I had the i had a, a hip flexor problem the whole olympic year too i almost couldn't go but i just i, I remember that so like if you took like making that team was an achievement for you you were getting up there right but you were still respected but you had those yeah. injuries and you came back i remember the year 97 98 it was my first year pro i was up and down to montreal a ton a year behind that a lot, and you had a great year Thank you. But that was good. I, I had some great linemates, too. I was pretty lucky. Playing with Shaco and Rex, they were two amazing players, brother. Yeah. So I was pretty lucky. We, we worked well together. You know what I mean? We all brought different things to the game. We worked well together. And it was really enjoyable to play with, with Shaku and, and Rex, two unbelievable players. You're so, good yeah. for them. You're, you're good for them. Yeah, I helped them, too, and they helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. You got to have a good line. Yeah, you're right. That, that's great. Um, I got some other good stories, TR, but we'll have to do it another time, then. We'll have to, of course. I got, we'll I mean, I'm glad I at least got there. I nearly let you go without talking about the Olympics. There's still some other stuff. fun ones. We'll just say, look, we're going to say. What do you want to, what did you want to ask about the Leafs? Go ahead. That, just that playoff series was amazing, but the city went bananas and they were a great team. I grew up watching the Leafs and it was so much fun playing for them. It was. Basically. You know, I got trapped by, by the Montreal Canadiens in the forum and it was incredible. I was a, a Leaf fan growing up, but then I grew to love the Montreal Canadiens because you know how it is there. City's great. The fans are amazing. And the organization's class act, and there's class guys around it. And they come to Toronto fulfilling my dream of playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs as a growing by a, a, a Sittler, Landon McDonald, Ian Thermal, Earl Tom, Thompson, all those guys who are Earl Thompson I met out east, right? Yeah. They're all my fans. Boreas Salming, Ian Turnbull, Palmateer was one of my favorite goalies. I thought it was Palmateer playing road hockey. So to come back there and put that jersey on was amazing too. So I lucked out. I got to play for two of the greatest organizations. Yeah. And not only in hockey and sports, but. With some good guys, too. We had and good guys in our guys. room in Montreal. Were there good guys in the room in Toronto? Yeah, there, there were some good guys, buddy. I mean, like my first few years in, in Montreal and even my second stint coming back, there were some really good guys there because the money hadn't gone quite the way it had it gone near the end of my career. And I think money changes people, unfortunately. It shouldn't, yeah. but I think it does. So it's a little different. And then the, the social media and all that stuff's affected it, too. So you, you got to kind of look at it and say, yeah, things have changed because of that, too. So – um, but yeah, you're right. For me, it, honestly, TR, the hockey part of it, uh, I love playing the game, but for me, it was all the, the stories like this and the memories being able to come out, out East to see, or you come to Toronto, we go out and we have a few beers or whatever, and then just hang out and talk about stories and talk, laugh about the times that we had in Montreal or out East at the events or here in Toronto. That's for me, that's I'll hang on that to the rest of my life. And then talking about the mental health and trying to help people out with that is very important to me too. And I mean, I had a kid say to me, I saved his life. And he just sent me a DM on Instagram, which I'm now on Instagram now too. He sent me a DM and said, you saved my life. He talked to me a year ago and you, you're the reason I got help and I'm alive right now. For me, that's the most important thing, TR. Give back, be a good person and keep your friendships and your memories tight because that's what you're going to hold on to. Unbelievably Hockey's well said. And listen, Hockey's over at a certain point, buddy. You know that. I know that. And uh, that's big that you said that, course, with the mental health. And, and that's true. And when people see a guy like Shane Corson not uh, – you know, a big tough guy like that with all that experience and uh, not afraid to steer mental health and, and admit about anxiety and depression or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm, the I'm the exact yeah, same way. Back in the day, of course, I was scared to go to our guy, Wayne Hollywell in Montreal. I ended up and I kept in touch with them after my career more, more so because, and I remember he was like, why were you scared to see me? I said, I don't know. There was just some, some like, it was just like a feeling, whatever the word is, it was frowned upon. And maybe it wasn't. I just felt like it was. People like you. TR there was, was a stigma. stigma. That's the word. So and listen, another thing is, TR, TR, another thing is you, you, I'm almost the same as you. 
you're worried about going and telling first of all, you're worried about showing weakness, which is not a weakness I've learned after dealing with. It's actually a strength. You're, yes. You have anxiety and depression and all that because you worry and it's a strength. You're a strong person and you don't think you need help. You don't want help. I'm telling you right now, but I was the same way. I didn't want to tell anybody about it because I didn't want to lose my job. Yeah. Simple. Exactly. I guess, yeah. To, to be blunt. And the type of player we are. Yeah. The type of players we are. We didn't want to show any weakness ever. Exactly. You're right. You're right, Course. I never really thought about it like that, but that was definitely what was going on in my subconscious. Yeah. Um, so listen, Course, what's your, what's your Twitter and what's your Instagram handle? You gotta get, you, he just started on these, and we got to get a lot of people following because of these messages that he's got, and you've always got some kind of cause. Um, so what, what, how can people track you down? Uh, it's at Shane Corson 27. I think they're both, both Twitter and, uh, my Instagram. I, I'm just new to this stuff, but I've been getting top on my kids. I have no, you know me, I didn't have email until three years ago. Bro. Well, yeah, I, I do know you. That's why I was surprised one day when I saw your fat head come up on the Instagram looking right at me. I was like, what, what is this? What's happening? Am I being punked? But, but it's fantastic that you're on there. And we need to we need to get that message out there. Actually, course in twenty seven, but that's right. I think I'm both Twitter and uh, Instagram handles, and I'm on Facebook too now. Oh, you're right. you made the move, didn't you? you well, I don't, I don't. Yeah, so it's a business Facebook one. I don't, I can't, I, I'm not, I can't follow people, but they can follow me, see what's going on, and then see what events I'm doing. What I'm trying to do a lot of charities, you know that. And I try to do, uh, you know, try to help with things that I I care about. Mental health, one of the biggest ones for me, because I I almost like, I could have been not sitting here if I didn't get the help and. And now I want to try to help people because it was that close to and Not many people knew that. And now I have two kids that suffer with it a bit too. So it touches everybody and it doesn't matter how big and strong you are. It's not a weakness. It's an illness and just go get the help you need. But yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm enjoying Instagram now and having jokes with you guys and different challenges and stuff. And I know you challenged me today, the three shot thing. So you know I'm definitely going to do it. So I'm going to do it Friday. Okay. I'm do it Friday. Good. And listen, we didn't we we scratched the surface, I guess, but we didn't go much further. I got to not only find out about all your career, but what your kids are up to, and yep. um, uh, outside of that, uh, just how everything's going with with Tux. I mean, I had him on the show, and yep. I see you guys here and there, but there's a whole lot we could have gotten to. I had the Eric Cairn suspension, um, yep. playing in Dallas. What you're yep. doing since, which I kind of know, but we'll get into that next time. Of course, I appreciate it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it uh, in a month. We'll do another one. If you let's want. do it in a month, and I'll see you in August in PEI if everything works out. Yeah, I know. I talked to guy a bit. They're not sure. I know you guys will be able to get there. I'm hoping to get there, but we'll do another uh, talk here in a month. And we'll uh, have some fun and maybe talk about, like you said, Dallas and what I'm doing now, and then maybe talk about some uh, some fun stories. Okay, buddy. Thanks like a lot. Hey, like when, I, like when me and Keener thought it was a great idea to rip down the Christmas tree in the Western, the Western Hotel in Calgary and take it upstairs and throw it on Chelly. <laughs> and then I get a call, and the tree's, in, it, the, the tree's in pieces, and I get a call from downstairs, and it's Pat Burns, bring the, bring the fucking tree back downstairs, you idiot. <laughs> and it's in ATR. The worst part is it's about six different pieces by then, right? Because they're the big trees that are in the lobby, right? And well, he's just doing it with you. Together. I get, in the, I, get in the I get stuck in the elevator, and I go down the elevator, the door's open, and there's Bernsey staring at me going, yeah. I just hand them and went back up. <laughs> you should have seen getting on the bus the next morning. He's sitting at the front, he's just steaming, looking at us, shaking his head every time we got on. <laughs> I got all kinds of those ones. We'll do that. We'll do the fun one next time. Yeah, buddy. I love it anyway. This like the Winnipeg story. <laughs> give, give me the Winnipeg story before you go, and then we'll do the next one next time. Give me the Winnipeg. 
Well, we're in Winnipeg, the whole team, because, you know, back in the day, we used to, we go to, it's just my first stint in Montreal, wrote at the Marble Club, drinking, having some fun. Everybody's minding their own business. We're having a great time, having fun. Keener's pouring. He used to, used to play this drink and pour, like, drinks down our shoulder, our back, and he would think it was real funny, little red-headed guy. Eh? Yeah. Anyways, we decide we're heading home, you know, closing time. A few of the guys are still lingering around inside. Some have left already. We turn the corner from coming out of the bar, and we see this guy, you know, pushing a girl around. Keenan and I should have just kept our mind, you know, minded our own business, kept going, but we had to say something. And next thing you know, we're in a bit of a Donnie Brook off the ice. And uh, next thing you know, there's undercovers everywhere. It's Keener and I and Screwy. They got us down, everybody, the other two guys, us down on the ground. And, you know, we're next thing you know, we're in the cop car. Next thing we're at the, uh, the courthouse in the jail, though, because it was late, so we couldn't go to the courthouse. So we're in, we're in the jail. And they put us in actual jump shoot. Uh, jump, uh, jumpsuits, buddy. Really? Hard to get the jumpsuits, yeah. So we're all there on a picnic table in jail with all the regular people sitting there. <laughs> Screw goes, don't say a word, you two, not to anybody. So we're sitting there like this, the three of us side by side, close as we could get together, scared shitless in the jail in Winnipeg. I guess they called uh, Pat Burns, and Burns goes, leave him there. No, 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 no. He got us. He came and got us the next morning and got us out of there. You spent a night in the, the fucking night. jail. They even got us just in time to go to practice. There's Keenan and I trying to put our helmets on, and they're all – he can't get them on. Her hand is all swollen because one guy had something hit both of us over the head with it. It was a disaster. Jesus Christ. We're trying to get the helmets on, and we can't get them on, so I'm getting the trainers to make them bigger and bigger and take some of the foremost so we can get our helmets on so we can practice because we didn't want anybody in the media knowing that we weren't practicing, right? Did they find out? Again. They, everybody found it. it was all over the papers they made their own gonna... stories up it wasn't what they said it was it was just unfortunately something was happening there was an argument going on and we kind of said now nah, you know relax a little bit and then they and then it happened. you had a few in you full of piss and vinegar you, you know how it works we were like they started it and we were kind of thinking we were going to finish it and whatever we ended up in a bad spot and but, said, just, but there's always a story to tell he wanted to tell us he told them to leave us there and he wanted he wanted to teach us a lesson again i guess there's always a story to tell, of course. There's a lot more, brother. Whew. We'll get into had, I got a nice buzz on here talking with you. Um, we'll, uh, I'll be in touch. In a month from now, I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to oh, do I'll it. Chain course in volume two. We'll talk uh, to you a lot before, before, a lot before that, buddy. But, yeah, we'll do volume two in a month, and then we'll do three and four and five. I got so many stories, dude. You know, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. And I, you know what I love? I'm just trying to learn this podcast with you. There's certain things, certain podcasts you go on, you got to be careful, right? So. Not on mine, yeah, which is great. That's actually why I, I do it my way. I do it alone because I want to do it my way. If you want to listen, yeah. you can. If you're offended, don't fucking tune in, you know? Right. Um, but, of course, love it. I'll talk to you soon, probably this week. I'll probably have a few drinks on Friday, me and my old man, and we'll probably be talking to you on Instagram. If not, I hope to see you in August. And regardless, we will talk in a month from now. And good luck. Uh, this summer, have a great one, and uh, hats off to you, your family, and extend the best wishes to Tux and uh, Army and Phil and whoever you talk to. Will do, brother. Same to you. Make sure you say hello to your family and uh, senior for me. Tell them I miss them. And I'm I looking will. forward to getting out east with you guys. I love being out there. The people out there are some of the most best, well, they're probably for me, like they're so heartwarming and they just love taking you in and taking care of you, bringing you in for dinner and feeding you food and booze. And it's just right up my alley. TR. I love going out there. It's so much fun. And they're, they just love taking care of people. And it's, it's somewhere I love to go and uh, I'll be out there as much as I possibly can. Hopefully it's soon. 
It's a great place to get a buzz on course, and we'll see you over here sooner than later, I'm sure. So I have uh, thanks it. again. Screeched it a couple times already. I'm looking forward to the third. <laughs> I'll see you soon, my man. Thanks again. Love you, TR. Love you, too. We'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, folks, how about that? Uh, that was such a, a great chat with Course. We could have gone on forever. Um, yeah, uh, we could have gone on forever. There's so much I wanted to ask him. I, I, feel that, I feel that what I did ask him, though, and what we talked about was substance that you guys wanted to hear. And there's so much more obvious questions. Because course, fuck, man, he's just had such a, such a crazy experience in his journey of life, man. But uh, I love the guy, and we'll, um, I'm going to see him in August, like I said, at a golf tournament, maybe if it goes. Who knows? It's looking less and less pop, uh, like a possibility with this COVID thing. And for good reason. I'm fine with it. If we're not allowed to because of safety reasons, it's fine. But uh, that's, that's besides the point. Point is, I... Still do a lot of events with Shane. We've remained friends. And um, it says a lot. The guy, like I said, played in the Olympics, Canada Cup. Storied career. Um, great person, great player, great leader. And, um, you know, people like that I learn from, right? You learn stuff from that. Like, maybe little things, but, you know, I still play senior hockey. And I would hope... That's got to come to an end soon, too, by the way. But um, I would hope that, you know, I, I, I do believe that our personalities are shaped. You know, they're forever changing. Forever. Um, why do I wear cowboy boots all the time? I don't know. It, it literally probably is because I like Johnny Cash and I watch Clint Eastwood movies growing up. I know that sounds really trivial and it sounds like a super fan, but I don't know. Why does anybody do anything? You know, it's, why does George Paros have a fucking mustache? I don't know. Did he watch Miami Vice? I, I really don't know. But, I mean, I've often thought about it. Am I a copycat or am I own my own person? You're your own person. I learned that in folklore, too. You know, everything is forever changing. And that goes not only for personalities, for everything. People, even, let's say, the United States. And people go, oh, now the election's coming up, I only say. Right there. Well, I hope it goes back to the way it used to be. But there, there really isn't a way it used to be. There's a way it used to be when you grew up. There's a way it used to be when your parents grew up. A lot of people like, I don't know, let's say the all-American life, you know, back in the day, the woman would cook the dinner and the man would have the job and come home and the kids are happy and Bobby has a lollipop and, you know, they're going to go to school and get all A's. And Yeah, there's something to that. If you want that, the white picket fence, sure. But really... When people go, well, that's the way it should be, and it used to be. If you want it to be, I don't know if I was a woman, I probably wouldn't be crazy about that. But, but the point is, whatever, like it or love it or, or, or hate it, it didn't used to be like that. Yeah, it used to be like that in the 40s and 50s, right? Then you go, go back further. Then there was the Great Depression. It was a total shit show. Go back before that. Women couldn't vote till the 1920s. So it wasn't, I mean, there's half the population that probably wouldn't think it was the great old America. And then if we go back even further into the 1800s, when we creep into there, I think there's a big part of the population that might say, this ain't for us, right? What's going on now down south and all over? Shouldn't just say down south. It's where it came to fruition, the rebellion. I'm not saying all the riots, but, you know, whatever, the protests. 
Well, think about that. Right, the 1800s and whatever course you take and you look at history, look at Rome, how great it was, but it fell. Look at, uh, I don't know, ancient Greece. Look at, I'm just saying, I'm not talking about just civilizations that fail either. What I'm saying is that shit changes. Nothing is permanent. Well, you know, when we used to be kids, no one stayed in on their video game all day and more people were out playing hockey. Yeah, because we didn't have the fucking option. I'm glad I didn't. I turned out just the way I wanted to. But I didn't know any better, right? I, I, I don't know. The, the other side of that coin, I mean, I'm not crazy about it. I do think the 80s and 90s were a better time to grow up. But again, I had I have biased glasses on. I have rose-colored glasses because I went through it, right? Now you could go, well, there's not as many people out there on the street. No, but there's more people graduating high school, for sure. I know that. I know a lot of people didn't um, when I was coming up. A lot of people fail grades, a lot of people, you know, so maybe they're online more now. Maybe it sucks, but maybe they're going to be computer techs or maybe there's going to be more jobs created that way. Hockey, coronavirus came along. Now, it's not, it's not going to happen. The NHL could fold. Hockey could be nothing. It, it, it's not. I'm just saying. All this is, all these are just created by humans. All these houses glass houses and houses of cards that we got built it's all great and our system runs on it but it's not nothing used to be like anything you shit used to be black there you go and then the big bang happened the earth used to have no people how's that right we used to bat a woman over the head drag her back to our cave and bang her right that's probably not going to work anymore shit changes usually for the good you get together you talk about something Two sides, I've often said it, right? Let's say the gun issue. I don't fucking need a gun here in Canada. I don't think I do. Maybe there's parts of Canada I would. I don't hold it against anybody. And when I lived in the States, I didn't have a gun. But it's part of their culture more than it's part of ours. And I can't say that I lived there now that I would want one. I'm not saying that I would fucking blow someone's head off. But because I, I think guns are used too much doesn't mean I'm totally against the NRA. I don't think you should be walking around the, any place with AK-47s. I think there's a reason that there's way more gun violence in the United States because there's, there's more access to it. But I also know that that shit doesn't change overnight. And right now, if I lived there, which, you know, gun, guns, no matter what way you go with the law, it's not going to change overnight. You could, you could cancel all of them out right now. They're still all there. There's a lot of illegal, illegal guns. What I'm saying is that it's part of their culture. It's a very similar culture to Canada. Yes, I feel totally safe when I'm there. I really do. Um, but more people in the United States have a gun than don't. Um, and in Canada, I really don't know any of my friends other than hunters that go around with a gun. No one goes around with a gun, first of all. I remember being in Texas and people walking around like open carry in, in the grocery store with a gun. I got to be honest, that scared me. Now, but that's normal. That's part of their culture. So after a while, I got used to it. And if I lived there, yeah, I'd have a gun. So that's what I'm saying. So it's just everything. And, and, and there's so much vagueness under that umbrella, right? Like it's not black and white is my point. And people need to talk about things and to say, well, it's not how it used to be. That's not an answer. It's not an answer where you look around you and your surroundings could change. That could all change. Look at your hometown, wherever you are. It's either a ghost town if you grew up like me by now, or it's thriving, 
where it's added a lot of people, St. John's, I don't know if you'd say it's thriving, but it doesn't look the same, right? You could, you could look at Fort McMurray has been through a lot of hardship, man, with the floods and the fires and whatever, but it looks different than it did 30 years ago. The architecture, the people living there, whatever, it changes, right? It changes. Mount Pearl has changed. Sometime St. John's might amalgamate with Mount Pearl. I grew up in Mount Pearl. I want I wanted to stay Mount Pearl. Sometime it might be St. John's. I don't know. Do I care? Yeah, right now I do. But all that shit doesn't really matter in the end. Um, you know, I, I, mean, I guess it could matter, but I'm just saying. I, I'm all about talking things out, two sides of the fence, getting to the best possible answer for now. And then shit changes, and next year it might be a better answer. Um, Anyway, it, it, that's just where my head's at in all this. It, I don't, the, the culture that we're living in, it's like either you hate this or you love this. And if you vote for Trump or you vote for Trudeau, both sides, man, you're a fucking idiot or you're, you should do the, you're not. Most people are good people. Walk around the fucking grocery store, go to a fucking sports event. I mean, give, outside of this COVID whatever, go to a concert. Most people you run into, most people out there are pretty understanding and they're pretty central, but they got causes close to them. You might be a hunter and, ah, oh, fuck them, you don't want a gun. Fuck them if they don't want a gun. Right? Or you might be totally on the other side of it. Never grew up seeing any of it and you think violence is crazy and no one needs to have a gun to protect themselves. You could be a, a just paranoid schizophrenic churchgoer whatever right and in that case you go no way there's no fucking way anybody well you wouldn't say fuck would you there is no way jesus that anybody should have a gun right so those two sides of the spectrum they just meet in the middle and they talk and they come up with a law i just think now everybody's so fucking mad at each other that it's disheartening as humans it really is we should be embarrassed as a race, but who would be? People often say that I'm embarrassed to be a human. That's another thing. Who? What do you mean you're embarrassed to be a human? Who are you embarrassed to? The, the monkeys? What, are those monkeys really, are they judging you? Is that kitty over there in the window judging you? How about that fucking snail crawling up the tree? Are you embarrassed to be a human? Are you, can you, are you embarrassed to leave the house, what the humans have done? You think that snail is judging you? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> anyway, I'm embarrassed to be a human. What, are you traveling to fucking Melmac all the time? Are you a frequent goer at Krypton? I mean, <clears throat> in other words, unless the aliens are judging you, there's no other fucking intelligent life forms, people. Rather than be embarrassed for a human, be embarrassed for... Uh, the, 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 your culture maybe and try to improve it and speak up and have a voice I get it I mean I'm often embarrassed too but something another human does doesn't to be honest embarrass me but if Donald Trump opens his mouth it doesn't embarrass me as a human <clears throat> right not just him although he, he seems to be flapping his gums a lot lately I've gotten into that before, though. I'm not anti-Republican. I would have voted for either or John McCain. I liked. There's all kinds of Mitt Romney. I liked Greg, 
glad to see him marching down there for the cause. I just think Donald Trump's a selfish fucking idiot. He's the opposite of a team player, really. He's the opposite of a team player. He'd fucking slit your throat as soon as fucking look at you. He'd backstab you. He'd fucking, he would never. In a dressing room, if a coach called Donald Trump in and say, I was vi- I was like Shane Corson. Right? Shane was nice to me. What you forget is that we were the same position on the same team. And there are people that have come in and taken a spot away. And I'm not saying that he thought that was going to happen, but it, it's, it's not natural in other businesses to be so close to people that are, are competing with a position for you. And now Donald Trump, I, I think they played, they said he played like sports in college, like I, maybe basketball or some shit. He clearly golfs. That's more individual than anything, but I just, I don't think he'd be a great teammate. Can you imagine if coach called him in? Were you guys out last night? What would Donald Trump say? No, I wasn't. Terry was. That would be immediately what he would say. And if you think he wouldn't, you're fucking lying to yourself. Fuck. We're getting mad at now. I'm getting mad at just the air in front of me. I'm just getting mad for no reason. I'm just saying that's really to me. I, I like to vote for people that don't give a fuck about your party. Usually, you know, outside of the social issues, it's very close. It's very close. Obama didn't do a whole lot different than George Bush when it came to the economy and war and everything, did he? Really? George Bush got us into a war, but it's not like, you know. Not Obama did a whole fucking lot. I think he left troops in Afghanistan right up until he was done. And now, again, I'm not anti-Obama either. I'm just fucking saying. Politics is a freaking tricky game. And if you think they all got your back with a certain cause, they don't. Most of them got their job is what they got. And they'll secondary is the fight for causes that they got elected for. Um, and, and maybe not even secondary. Secondary is staying in. Uh, but anyway, point being, man, we're from all shapes and colors and sizes and backgrounds and uh you know put a little love in your heart last thing what else oh fuck someone keeps sending me weed and i really really appreciate it i don't know who's doing it either um but honestly because the, the it comes in i, I get a, a letter in the mail and i don't get a return address just a, a smiley face and a wink so I'm assuming that you think I know who you are. Now, I feel bad because I haven't thanked somebody. And I love weed. And I've talked about specific kinds. The kind that brings my anxiety down is called Penelope. Well, around here it is, but whatever. It's, I shouldn't say Penelope. It's just one fucking kind. But around here anyway, you go to Tweed and you can get it. And um, there's this other kind. Fucking blow your head off. I mean, one or the other. During the day, I'm on the CBD stuff. And at night, um, what the fuck is it called, man? Oh, Moonbeam. Moonbeam or Baker Street. There's a few now you can get out there that are mid-20s percentage. I don't need that much, but at night when I'm watching a movie or chilling out, after all this, man, like I have busy days. It might not seem like it, but they're busy. And uh, I like chilling out with some Moonbeam or or whatever, Indica. During the day, CBD, Sativa. During nights, fucking potent Indica. In any case... Anonymous, I love you, but I really don't know who you are. Like, I literally don't. So the wink isn't going anywhere. I can't figure it out. You, you got to put it. Give me a fucking province at least. I got nothing to go by. Um, what else? Uh, you know, that's about it. I've had a long week. Uh, my daughter's outside now. She's having a great time. Finally play with a few friends again. And I just had a great interview with my good buddy, Shane Corson. Of course, the more I talk, and I talk quite a fucking bit, um, 
the more I talk, the more I run the risk of putting my foot right into my mouth. And I think I've had a good fucking go of it. So I'm going to end it here. Uh, remember, keep an eye out now for if oh, for my book. My book's 20 bucks. If you live in the States, I can send one down to you, personalize it. It'll be 40 though, because of the shipping. If it's in Canada, anywhere outside of St. John's, it'll be about 30, right? Because yeah, that's about what it is. So I'm saying with, with the shipping and everything. So if you want one and you live in Canada, 30 bucks, just email me and I'll personalize it, send it out. If you want, when you live in the States, 40 bucks, uh, well, 40 Canadian now, Canadian, American. Um, 40, 40 Americans, about 60 Canadian, I think, roughly. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'll send it out. And we also got, so a lot of people wanted pictures. And I thought to myself, you know, I only got so many pictures. So I went up to Staples and I got 20 each taken off of me and of senior. And I said, you know, what will I do here? You know, I, I don't, I hate charging people for pictures, but, you know, I, I'm going to go through the trouble to get it. And I'm going to pay for them. And it probably only cost like a couple bucks each. I can't really remember, but I'll go figure that out tomorrow. In any case, all 20 on both sides are gone. People love them. So what I was doing, I was selling, selling them for 10 each. But if you wanted me and senior, um, I'll give them to you for 15. And that includes shipping. Fuck it. Because it's only, a, that includes shipping. Shipping isn't going to be a book. The same as a book. The book weighs a bit. So say 15 all in, I'll send you me and senior. If you want one or the other, 10 bucks. Honestly, that sounds fair, people. I'm not trying to be cocky or anything else and say, oh, I'm going to charge for my picture. It kind of works me to do that. But if you want them and they're out there, supply and demand, I got them. That's the cheapest I can fucking charge, man. I'm, I'm trying to make some kind of a living here um, outside of my normal workplace, which you know I have three or four things that I do consistently, like I said, I'm acting, I'm working on crew in the film world, I'm doing hockey schools, and I'm public speaking, neither of which I can do now. I'm certainly not complaining. Um, I got enough there to get me by. I'm just fucking saying, right? I'm just, I'm just saying that um, I'm, uh, there's people out there seem to, to, to want the pics and, and the book, and I'll sell them as long as you want them, right? Uh, but look, uh, it's great to talk to course again. It's great to have a podcast up and running. Uh, and I apologize about the time off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do these fairly consistently, but so, like I said, I, I I've got to make a living too. And I'm a busy guy, but I don't think you'll go two weeks anymore without anything whatsoever. It was a rough time. I thought my fucking computer was broken and here it was. I had the microphone off. Just, just, uh, you know, it's a story, right? What's it all about? It's about the story. Uh, thanks again to Shane Corson. Uh, thanks to my sponsors. Uh, yeah, thanks to my sponsors who are great. Uh, if, you, if anybody out there wants to uh, sponsor, I don't have the specifics, but it really doesn't cost a lot. And it would really help, out, uh, help us out here at the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, if you, uh, yeah, that's about it. You know what? I had a few other things I was going to talk about, but I'm just going to do it next time. It's great to be back. I appreciate it. I want everybody out there to uh, have as good of a fucking week as you possibly can. I'm glad to be back. We're alive. Don't sweat it. And we're going to be, uh, things are getting back to normal surely. Slowly, but surely. And uh, hope the NHL comes back soon. I don't see it, but I certainly hope they do. And we'll talk about that next time. Peace out, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Tales with TR.